0: Yeah! Ah, I like that. It's Josh Williams here, and welcome to another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast. Today, my guest is a phenomenal comedian. Guys, uh, you may have seen him on "This Is Not Happening." He's also got a special on Netflix called Pete Johansson. You may also like Pete Johansson. No, you
1: may also enjoy. Might it. you also enjoy?
0: <laughs> damn it! Well, now Sorry. you guys know what to search for. Uh, Pete Johansson is my guest today. Hey, Josh, what's How are you? up, man? I'm Not just, much.
1: I'm just texting. Do we got to talk right now? <laughs> we yeah, exactly. Go ahead, <laughs> do your thing.
0: Yeah, Pete and I have been uh, sitting here for what thirty minutes, just talking technology and different things like that. We're both clearly uh, what is
1: it technophiles is that a thing that they call uh yeah i think so is that where yeah that's where you take the cord and you wrap around your balls and you jerk off to it <laughs> is that the thing that's you know, it will be after right. this podcast comes out. That <laughs> will be a thing. Why did you Why you got to go blue out of the gate, Pete? What's that all about?
0: I'm good for. I know. Dude, I never know how to start. So really? whatever. Yeah, because we can start like all like these episodes are, are about whomever the guest is. Today it's you. So I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you questions that are going to feel you know formulaic and stuff at times. Formulaic. Yeah, but okay. it's fun for us to just talk about whatever the fuck. And that way, we just we off the top. We are. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Go in whatever direction we're doing. This is the first time I've ever done it without a table. We're doing it in Pete's this living room. This is a
1: table. This is a ottoman table. It's, it's both an ottoman and a table. That's why it has to have the thing on top. This, this thing is <sighs> name it. They can't see it. Uh, it's like a silver <laughs> tray that goes on top of it. it. So you get all the benefits of putting your feet up on it, but you can also put drinks on it too. So it's like, it, that's because the tray is doing the but job that's, of that. That's the multi, I mean, your couch is a table too. A, if you put the tray a, on this it, this is a deep design thing that's been big <laughs> for a little while. And I, I just sort of jumped on board. I, I, I saw Okay, yeah, you're probably right. If it's you just... put
0: like a like a touch screen in it, then I'd go, Okay, I get it. I'm all behind right. the times on that.
1: all right. Well, <laughs> I got the Google Home. I don't I'm not so touch oriented. I can say stuff and have it work. That's true. But you have Siri as well. She'll do that for you too. Yeah, I don't Siri doesn't control my lights.
0: Uh, she. Are you? Uh, are you keeping your eye on the, the HomePod or whatever it's called that
1: comes out in the new year? Yeah, they keep pushing the release date. You know, and I. I really think Apple missed the boat on that. Although there's huge integration with Siri already in a lot of people's lives. Here's my big problem with Siri: it doesn't work with Spotify. Spotify oh, really? okay. is it's the shit it is the shit with music and if you don't work with spotify i don't think you're gonna you're gonna win the 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 smart speaker uh game that makes sense you got 70 million subscribers to spotify and you've only got five million to apple music so yeah. what's the difference? Cause I have Apple music and I haven't run into anything where I can't get something yet. Well, like I don't care about Metallica. I think they're the only ones that don't play ball with that stuff. Yeah. I don't, uh, well, you can't get tool on Spotify, which I find frustrating. Uh-huh. too. Um, I just, uh, I don't really know that I just, Spotify is just integrates real well and smart with everything. It just, it doesn't seem like they're playing any, I don't know to be honest with you. I just like Spotify more Apple music. I find frustrating because I have to take it. Right. You know, I don't want to be told I have to, that's yeah. I actually find that that's most people's
0: argument with Apple versus Samsung Android whatever it is. Also it's just with Apple cheaper. makes you do it one way,
1: and Samsung you can customize or do it however you yeah, want. Yeah, I, I almost went with Samsung. I was very near going with Samsung this year. I really like their products, but uh, it's the Apple Watch that kept me because I like the Apple Watch. Yeah, and that's the only thing that kept me with Apple iPhone. And now you got the ten. Yeah, is this all just me bragging for an hour? No, hey, it's a, it's just hey, start. This Pete, is Pete seems like a good target to. Rob. This
0: is how we let people know you're very successful
1: in your, you're not your successful. career. Successful? That's what does successful mean in Canada? My God, I did a, I did a show at Massey Hall on New Year's Eve, and I finished my set, and I'd been on stage for twenty minutes, and I went around front because I wanted to get a picture of of the thing because I, I never had a picture of a poster with me it, with uh, somebody like Robert Klein. You know, it was me and Robert Klein on the poster. And I did that. And uh, when I walked in the door, there was like thirty people there, and they all like, "Are you our Uber driver?" I was like, "Yes."
0: I saw your Instagram post. I was like, that's
1: hysterical. I was like, I've just been in front. of I've been on stage for 20 minutes in front of these people. They, they have my name on their ticket stuff. (laughs) But here is, You know why I found that particularly funny. Uh,
0: I do drive Uber in Ottawa and I have been people's both comedian and Uber. driver. I wanted to drive
1: them home. I wanted to drive them all home. I, all my heart was like, Oh yes. Cause that nothing, uh, there's the beauty of the humility of doing uh, comedy in this country is that it does. You, you, realize that you you can't be a egotistical twat, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) That's true. You just you can't although I think being egotistical is a huge advantage, but I can't do it. You know, Americans, I'm always in awe of the confidence of American comics they come in i'm the greatest i'm like you are (laughs) i didn't know that i really didn't know that and like wow they really believe they're the greatest (laughs) i I don't know what it is but
0: it's almost like they're trained to they're like no you are the greatest well i think i'm just no you're the greatest i don't know i
1: I am i know almost no canadian comics like that like and i know some incredibly good canadian comics we all suffer from low self-esteem yep like, it is just, it's incredible. Like I think it's just, it's just like perpetual humility. It's
0: even like, yes, low self-esteem, but even just the idea to yeah. just walk up and be like, I'm the greatest. I'm almost like, I don't. Well, I I'll, I'm sure I'm sure there's someone else. We don't want anyone to feel bad. And to say I'm the greatest means that you immediately yeah. make everyone else not the greatest.
1: But a lot of us do play with the idea of of ego and status. Like I right. I, I love pretending I'm the greatest, but I, clearly everybody that knows me that's Canadian knows I, I don't think that. <laughs> um, but then Americans don't pick up on that. I, I think that comes down to that whole concept of sarcasm and I the way how we are about the most sarcastic country on the planet. Yeah, you know, like people. I, uh, people are mind boggled by how sarcastic Canadians are. It's kind of wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> like, <we're laughs> that's the only way that we can get our anger out. I think it's, that's it's why everybody thinks little. we're good though, too. Cause we say good things sarcastically like, oh yeah, sure. Everybody come here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We want you all to be here. We'll, we'll, we'll oh, here. We want the best for everyone. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we're awful people. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. How
0: long, how long have you been doing standup now? Twenty-five years, I think. That's awesome. It's a great benchmark. Twenty-five years. Is it? It's you get a, something for that anniversary? The diamond 25th? anniversary? Is yeah, that what it is?
1: I don't know. I think my my wife probably got me a diamond butt plug. That's probably what it was. <laughs> <And> incrementally, <laughs> you know, one that she can increase the weight on like some sort of magnet in the floor. That that would be funny development. That you could, if there's a magnet in the f- no, I'm overthinking it. Overthinking it. That's how, dude. That's how technology comes around, right? You got to think it, dream it. They could dream it. <laughs> they <and> dream it. <laughs> You're making uh, uh, just a butt plug like with a magnet in the floor that's so strong that it just drags you down to the floor. Just <laughs> like that's how you get like. it. Oh uh, yeah. It'd be
0: funny <laughs> if it had like a two part thing, like some of those iPhone clips. You put one in, and then the magnet just sucks. Oh. In. It would help
1: insert it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like it automatically finds. It. Like yeah, like the magnet, uh, the magnetic charger thing. <gasps> what? It'd be weird if we had to charge ourselves in our butt instead of eating. I would almost rather that at times yeah yeah I, we'd still overcharge Which, ourselves <laughs> <laughs> Be like, man you, you gotta lay off the charging dude <laughs> unplug you, man you've been charging all day what the hell yeah <laughs> why are you so slow i'm just overcharged man just- i do find sexuality weird in that it's one of the few things that we do that's purely pleasurable that doesn't seem to have a bet ba- uh, like a like it doesn't seem to uh, make you fat like i i mean it's hard time as i get older i prefer pizza to sex and i think most people do but pizza has the downside of it's making me fat, whereas you know sexuality never no, doesn't make you doesn't make you fat. <laughs> the risk there is children. You don't get to have fun
0: without the risk of punishment. Now we found a way by wrapping our penises in rubber. But ultimately, naturally,
1: what? Where did kids come from in this
0: conversation? <laughs> no, because you're saying there's no, there's no, there's no negative time. There's no calories, of course. Oh, like sex. creating kids. But I'm saying I having sex. That's what the the ramifications would be right. like by just uh, fucking nah, all the
1: time. Yeah, I got myself snipped, so I don't worry about that. I don't want to reproduce. Nobody wants me to reproduce. People every time somebody looks me in the eye for a really long time, I can hear them cyclically saying, "Don't, don't, don't make another one of you." And I'm like, "Okay, dude, I'm on your team. You don't have to look me in the eye and telepathically tell me that. I get it. I'm Canadian. <laughs> we always hear the thoughts on the inside. That's awesome. Twenty-five years, man. Is That's, it? I yeah. I feel sad that it's that long. I feel like I should have done it for twelve and then maybe done something else like uh, I should have been a doctor I, will, I regret not being a doctor I wanted to be a doctor so much I still if I made a lot of money really quick fast I'd go to like a Caribbean or a Mexican or or a Samoan or some actually Malaysian too. I'd go to one of their medical schools that doesn't require seven years of education, only requires I think three and a half years intensive, but it's not recognized by like the the medical boards in like Canada and stuff like that. Right. But it's still a medical degree, then you can use it in other places. And I go and be like doctors without borders and and go and help people in in different countries using my kind of okay medical degree.
0: (laughs) Well, let's put it this way. I've been seeing
1: doctors in Canada Canada for last night I feel like they have
0: kind of okay medical degrees
1: yeah they're over in this country actually that's part of why healthcare is so expensive uh, and nobody ever addresses that in this in the states and around the world is that they very tightly control the access to the education for medical degrees whereas a lot of people could be doctors mm-hmm. they only let a certain amount of people be doctors because it creates a scarcity and ups the price of, of medical whereas if you know yeah, they lowered the sort of uh, the, the admissions process because the admissions process, by the way, isn't that great right now because they found that the highest grades don't make the best doctors. Right. It's, it's, there's a very much a correlation between the highest grades making some of the worst doctors. Why is that? Um, because uh, there's a lot of lateral thinking. Okay. rather than rote memorization. I mean, rote memorization is important for a certain amount of uh, 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 analytical activities, but um, lateral thinking and broad spectrum uh, education creates a uh, uh, more adaptable uh, problem-solving abilities. Okay. So, uh, to so- and and most of being a good physician is solving problems. Right. Um. <laughs> well, not everything's textbook when it comes to yeah. that. Like weird, yeah. Um, it's quite interesting. Uh, it, the, I think medicine, medicine's an interesting area where it's going to change rapidly because of technology. Right now, they've already got Watson, right? The uh, IBM deep thinking uh, uh, machine learning program. We don't want to. Fa- uh, we don't want to fall into the trap of calling it AI like uh, the popular press does. But it's a uh, it's machine learning based uh, uh, problem solving algorithms through the Watson program, and it's doing diagnoses at uh, the Mayo Clinic in in, in uh, uh, I think it's Columbus, mm-hmm. Ohio. Um, but what's amazing about it is when you've got Watson as a mainframe sort of doing diagnoses, and it's, I think it's a tr- in its triage, it's, a, it's attaining about a 73% accuracy rate, which is That's higher than doctors, cool. which is r- roughly around 60, 61%. So it's doing better than physical doctors with its triage uh, assessment uh, in the emergency rooms. But that one unit can work, if set up, could work in every hospital in America simultaneously. Right. <laughs> well yeah i mean and i mean that's I'm trying amazing to that's that's a that's ten thousand doctors kind of
0: yeah well i'd be curious to know when you say like that the tri- like the, the assessment and triage it's it's not like just assessment in terms of what the issue is mm-hmm. is it offering solutions as
1: well or just yeah 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 jesus it, uh, it's it's a pretty incredible thing like there's it used to be that that computers were sort of uh venturing into like taking over and the fear was blue collar work is the thing that was going to be replaced, but it's actually white collar work
0: because yeah. now
1: also uh, the other incredible breakthrough in machine learning technology is in uh, uh, legal secretaries and research and um, finding a, a reference in legal cases. So going through, you know, uh, uh, legal, legal data, mm-hmm. finding references, at machine learnings. It's, it's, what's funny is that they've outsourced that for the last 10 years to India. Right. So <laughs> like, cause cause legal secretaries are incredibly expensive. Right. Um, so they, they re- outsource that to India. So they had everybody in India. Now they're outsourcing it to AI. Yeah. And AI can scan documents and find references and legal precedent f- way faster than humans can. And that's previously a very white collar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Know? But what I think there's something kind of the way that we look at this, we could change our perspective completely too. uh, algorithms are something that are pretty awesome because they respond to sort of base, uh, honesty. Like it's very hard for an algorithm to lie, right? which makes it the next white collar job, which I'd love it to do is politics. Like we should elect an algorithm, like, you know, a liberal sort of a social algorithm that represents our values can't be corrupted, can't bribe it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) can't flip flop when, you know, when it's under pressure from certain groups, algorithms are the answer to our political uh, quagmire. Right, I and I, I, I think that we kind of need to have a discussion about that because the 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 thing that's falling apart in our sort of a, our political world more than anything else is the disappointment we have in human failability. Uh, always comes to the head in every political situation when right. somebody's met with greed or, you know, or or you know, long term, you know, thinking about other personal issues rather than. You know, this is what's best for everybody. As long as the, the algorithm is designed with like incorruptibility, then. Well, you can't really, I mean, well, unhackable, but if we did it in a blockchain format, that's open ledger, you can just sort of check every transaction of the active okay. algorithm. Like make it public. Well, not- that's what blockchain is, right? right? So blockchain show has a public ledger that is scanned and that's what reinforces the security of it. Um, so every uh, every change, every transaction, every, every interaction is in public domain. There's nothing hidden. Mm-hmm. So you can't really. You can't do anything bad. You know, that's how all finances and government should be switched to as well. To be honest with you, and it could transform the entire world of charity and government finance and stuff like that, which makes me think somebody's gonna stop it. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. You yeah. don't
0: get to go in and, and change how they're running things. Well, yeah. when
1: I look at Canada too, it's like we all pat ourselves on the bat so aggressively hard, but we are so incredibly corrupt here. When I look at British Columbia, and I look at the this particularly real estate, we're one of the few Western worlds that doesn't uh, have a show what's owned. Mm-hmm. Like you can't figure out who owns what in this country because there's no reference to it. Whereas in the States, in the UK, they numbered corporations have to show who owns real estate canada doesn't do that <laughs> mm. so we have numbered real estate you know hedge funds that own tons of land that are either you know foreign ownership domestic ownership but completely hidden from every sort of any researchable point of view, and very few places on the planet have that, and it allows for incredible corruption. Uh, well, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And we're and we're we're massively corrupt when it comes to monopolies as well. We love a monopoly in this country. Oh right. man, Look, at Telus, Bell, and uh, Rogers working together. You know, God, oh I, yeah, they all sit
0: at the same tables oh, and they yeah. all make the same decisions our banks, together.
1: Yeah, I mean, our banks are ludicrous with the fees. You don't get those fees in any other country. Our, if if Telus, Bell. Uh, I actually I do think they might control cheese I mean given the price of our cheese you know like I'm like <laughs> I <is> remember the- <laughs> that thing can you bring a bunch <laughs> yeah. of cheese back from yeah. from the uh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah nice. yeah. it's like if, if our uh, we, there's so many different things that don't make any sense in this country because we have tons and tons of cows But we pay a fortune for it and it's not there's a hidden tax in this country too that we don't talk about too and that's real estate prices Mm -hmm. you know when i pay 11 dollars for a foot long subway in toronto nobody sort of everybody's like oh gst that's not the tax that you should be worried about the tax that is killing us all is the guy that just owns the land you know that is racked the rent up so high in these places that all these shops about 20, 25% of the extra costs that we're paying. is just sitting on a guy that just owns the land, does nothing for society, doesn't participate. All he does is recoup that money because of uh, this, this incredible tax of profit- off of the land ownership in this country and it's just it's ludicrous it's there's something has to be done for the land speculation to to just take the legs out from it to exist should not be a speculative asset right
0: <laughs> see and i think honestly at the end of the day i think that that's why we're comedians mm. because the funny is like to me i've always said this people the funny is the exhaust fumes of all that processing <laughs> of all the other shit right that's yeah. just the byproduct that comes out you got to make all that shit accessible somehow thank you very much we're having tea uh pete Roybus. is my first guest to have made me tea really
1: yep this is i love rooibos it just makes me really happy for some reason It soothes it's your so stomach good. too
0: uh i uh, i get a regular uh cocoa chai rooibos which is super nice because it's got like a little bit of chai spice in it but it's still rooibos uh,
1: you're like my wife eh? she likes all those extra flavors i'm like i'm bare bones with everything i do
0: it was, it was because I was doing a, a I, I always say diet when I mean lifestyle, but a few years back, I was losing a ton of weight. And so the idea was the the, the diet had like no meat, no dairy, no whites, no sugar, no caffeine, no alcohol. No so, happy? Yeah. Yeah. Basically anything. If I used to joke and say that I the think the rule is if I put it in my mouth and it has flavor, I have to spit it out. Huh. But- um, but what I liked was because basically as you take away sugar and caffeine and all that stuff, so I had to drink the rooibos cause there's no caffeine in it. All right. And, um, but, but that was, it It was water or tea. Like those are the things I could drink. Yeah. Um, and so having something like the chai or whatever is like, it's just a different flavor. If all you're drinking is water and tea, all those things to give different flavors was almost giving me more variety of, of what I could actually drink.
1: I, I've always kept my drinking very simple, but what makes me, uh, the only time I drink soda pop is when I smoke weed, which is a lot, but not as much as people think when they meet me, um, a couple times a week, maybe two, two times a week, maybe that's all I smoke weed. That's, that's all like do. on the light end for most comics. Yeah. Right. And most They're like two people, times everybody, everybody per so. part of the day. <laughs> yeah, everybody thinks I smoke all day and I never, I generally never smoke weed during the day. I never do any type of, mu- except for acid and mushrooms. I'll do those during the day, because that's the best time to do them. <laughs> but I, if I drink alcohol, which I almost never drink alcohol anymore, it's only at night. If I can't drink during the day, it freaks me out. Pot's another one, I'll only like it at night. Like, I don't know why. It just it, Nighttime seems like the right time for that stuff. Right, but, I, pot, I can't do pot, it hyper drives my anxiety. Yeah, some pot does that to me. And as I get older, I find I'm more susceptible to that. But then there's other weed. Generally, the weed Tim Steve says. I don't know why, but it always makes me happy. Like, he's got real happy. Certain people I know have happy weed. And it's never the stuff I buy. And they go, oh, you got to get sativa. And then I buy sativa, and I'm sitting at home anxious. Yeah. So maybe I like just smoking weed with other people. (laughs) Nice distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the people who smoke pot and can just stare at the TV, I'm so envious of that. I can do that if I get the right Um, weed again
0: fair enough maybe i just need to expand my mind. i'm gonna have to go to like a weed tasting yeah i have yeah. that <laughs> try this one i wish you could just spit it in the bucket though afterwards like right, well i'm gonna have to come back That's tomorrow to try the next yeah, one yeah like a little tasting no chewing thing.
1: love you no Is, chewing what's she doing she's chewing she's her- just joking. but it's okay she's doing fine don't, she's doing fine sweet. don't tell my cat what to do <laughs> my cat wants to chew your cables she'll fucking chew your cables i'm a helicopter parent with my cat it's like you know what don't stifle her creativity oh i can play with her uh, it's out of reach what, she had one tail? of those
0: cat sticks. No, no, God, no. Oh, uh, the the stick with the I don't oh, know the yeah, cat. Yeah. I don't know what those are called. The magic wands with the 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 fluffy things. Yeah, on the I don't hand. play
1: with her enough. Uh, it's sort of it's kind of weird. Like she tries to play by herself, but I'm a disappointment to her. Uh, we <laughs> the have, weed tastings. We got a that's got to be a thing, right? Weed, you know, actually, watermelon in Vancouver used to do weed tastings, but not where you'd spit it out afterwards. <laughs> but like she'd have a a variety of different. What are you doing? Get out of there. Um, hey, don't tell your cat what to do. No, I'm, I'm her parent. I can do, I can, I'll raise my cat the way I want. Uh, <laughs> the, uh she used to have great uh, weed tastes. I used to, that was the first time I ever did weed shows actually anywhere in the country. And I think it was before they had weed shows anywhere is um, Watermelon, who's kind of a famous dealer in Vancouver. I don't know if you know her, but she had, she's, she went to court to fight for her right to create, uh. Pot cookies, and she's part of the reason why edibles exist in this country. Okay, she's a real pioneer. She used to sell them down at Rec Beach, um, she like which is a nude beach in Vancouver where kind of everything went, and uh, so she she would create all these great pot products. She uh, she invented gin and chronic, okay, which is the infused gin with with marijuana, in it, which I always thought was such a great name, um, and just different products like a whole bakery that she used to sell, and uh, she won her court case that cannabinoids was not cannabis, so she made it legal for uh, cannabinoid based products to be sold. That's awesome. She's to like BC. Buddy Crocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Buddy Crocker. Uh, she deserves quite a lot of credit and, uh, and she's also beautiful. I mean, on, on, on a superficial level, she had a very, she's a very attractive woman, so it was a, it was great branding. Um, and she used to do these shows in her house and she'd pay us in weed and uh, everybody'd sit on the stairs. And you do comedy and it wasn't good shows. Like, I mean, r- real heavy pot users, are, I don't think are the greatest audience, but they're, uh, but they're all pleasant and they're enjo- and they yeah, enjoying, they them. are you enjoying They you just audibly can't tell because yeah. they're just smocking. Well, and also like you can't, they can't follow long stories, Right. you know, you'd be better off doing short, short, funny jokes, but the long, anything that, you know, I'm a bit of a story or kind of story, uh, person. <laughs> and so that kind of went off. Uh, the, you know, you just see people just sort of checking out and stuff, but still, I I really enjoyed the experiences, you know. Yeah, yeah. and you started in BC, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm cool.
0: gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can parlay that back to, you're 25 in years now. What got
1: you started in stand up comedy? Mm. Oh, that's good tea. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in high school, and um, I think Sam Kinnison was probably what got me started. Sam Kinnison was the first time when I realized. I mean, I'd love stand up before that. I always loved like. Of the old school albums when i was a kid like bill cosby and uh i still i'm not gonna say i didn't like it because i did um plus at my age I, I, that as a kid i didn't know I, you could never have known he was a, a abuser oh fuck nobody you, knew i know but you know of course well I, a few a few people silently knew yeah i i'm not gonna feel guilty about my childhood enjoying him but of course mm. I, I don't want to praise him now uh but the guy i really loved was bob newhart I, oh, oh yeah, man, I love Bob Newhart albums. Yeah. When I was I, I remember we had a cabin that we went to when I was a little kid. My I guess my dad or my grandfather had all these Bob Newhart mm-hmm. albums and I would listen to them endlessly and laugh my I loved how all the jokes were in the absence of words. Like that's when you'd laugh the most when he'd pause and just oh, okay. And like there'd be this yeah. and I just ah oh, god, I love that. He was uh, he made me laugh so hard. But that was all old school and then I was like, "Oh, that's what stand-up was." And then I got a tape of Sam Kinison when I was like 15, I think. And it was nothing like anything I'd ever heard before, you know? Like, I was like, whoa, who is this guy? What's he? And he was talking about religion. And I was raised really religiously. And I was like, I didn't know you could talk like this about the Pope and God and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I just, I really fell in love with the freedom of what it was. And then uh, I took it to school with me. And me and a friend of mine, uh, Lee Toker, who was uh, vision impaired at the time, um, and he couldn't see and he did impressions and we were both in acting class together and we'd just sit there and listen to the tape and it was like, yeah, and we just connected on it. So uh, we decided that we were going to try and go up and, and do some stand-up. So we went around to the local restaurants in Kelowna and asked if we could go on stage before the bands and stuff like that. So we went on like three different places and we invited everybody to come down and watch us. So we were I, I'm not going to say he was bad because he was great. He did like he did really good impressions, but I would go up like in between his impressions and just tell the filthiest jokes, <laughs> like just out of touch. Like just, you know, you're a kid, you you've heard a dirty comic. This is what I think dirty comedy is. And uh, just really, really bad jokes. And you know nobody was happy. <laughs> nobody, nobody left those shows. We didn't. weren't invited back to do another. And I'm sure Lee would have been invited back without me, but I was the. I was awful. And like I didn't get it at. You know, you just. I just didn't get it at first. And then we started. Uh, we ran out of places in Kelowna to perform, so uh, we drove down to Vancouver. And at the time, it was like a six-hour drive because the Coca Cola wasn't even finished back then. So it was a really long windy drive. We get to Vancouver and we'd go up an amateur night at punchlines and Lee was much older than he, when he was, he was, I think he was five years older than me, but because he had vision impairment, he was still in high school. Hmm. Like it just, it was a slow advancement cause you know, he couldn't see. Yeah. Um, but I was way underage, <laughs> like, but they never asked me my age. So I just kept, you know, I, I never brought it up. I, didn't, I wasn't, I was going to, I wasn't going to volunteer that I was three years too young to be in the club. Right. Of course. Yeah. So I, I did the amateur nights a couple times and Lee kind of was, he was nervous about it. Cause we didn't get to go on together there. We had to go on separately. And so I went on, I actually did really well. The first show I did um, not really well, but you know, that first time luck went great. And then Lee didn't want to go on. So he didn't go on. And then, uh, I don't know why he kind of sort of lost interest in the stand-up, but I, it grew for me. So I kept doing sets and, and driving down to Vancouver on the weekends. And, um, yeah, I started within about six months, I was getting like paid nights and stuff nice. like that, you know, nice. and, um, uh, I missed my prom to do my first, one of my first weekend spots. Wow. And I, it's one of the meanest things I've ever done. I stood a girl up. Oh, really? Oh, I made no friends in high school over that. I think everybody hated me by the end of high school because i just I kind of checked out completely and that was a real in retrospect I, I feel like such an asshole like that was just she bought a dress and everything and i and i just i'm just the worst person i can't go back in time and fix it
0: no yeah <laughs> and but, you know I, I guarantee every single person has one of those
1: moments I, I yeah lots part. of us do I have, I, I have them i feel immense guilt over it because i now as an adult i know what a big deal that is and i know what uh, betraying somebody, I'd, as, as much as it was so exciting for me to do my first spot, I at the same point of doing something great for myself, I did something awful to somebody else, and I, I don't think I'll ever recover from that completely. Nonetheless,
0: uh, <laughs> well, if I could offer you a little piece of comfort, I mean, you left to do stand up, and you're still doing stand up, and you're successful and, yeah. and accomplished in it. Here's the thing: you, I, I would feel that there's more reason to feel worse had you stood her up to go do stand up and then
1: quit it a year later. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but that's, you know, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any answers for it. No, of course but of you course. always I... feel bad and it's, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've always felt freaking bad about that. <laughs> there's a really,
0: there's a really, uh, cool piece and I've shared this in the podcast before, but I'll share it with you mm-hmm. uh, is that, um, someone gave this to me when I was at a particular low point, and they're just saying how, like, if, if you ever get to a place where you're happy, you have to be grateful for, of, of course, everything that came before because it all led you. To yeah. where you are now. So even, even the things that we really don't like that we did, that we wish we could take back is it, there's a, it's almost like it, it makes it a little more, you know, that you can forgive yourself to go. It's all, it was all necessary to get me to where I am.
1: Well, the twenties, my early, my twenties my is a very confusing time for me because I had a lot of early on success in standup. Um, but I also, I was not equipped emotionally or intelligently, intelligently. Is that even. That's a word. I know, but it's not. Intellectually. Always. Intellectually. Yeah. Um,
0: I was on board. I I hadn't lost me until you cast the shadow of doubt. And I'm like, okay, now I doubt it too. No, it wasn't Uh, the right (laughs) word. Um,
1: I I didn't have the light skills. I didn't have proper parenting or guidance as a a young person as to how to be responsible, especially with money, with uh, what it meant to treat other people properly and a lot of things. And I had to learn all those kind of on my own through the 20s. And unfortunately... Um, I was, I didn't treat people well enough. I, I, it's funny as I get older, I I feel bad, but I also, like you say, I am happy for who I am now and I'm trying to put more good into the world than the bad I put in in my twenties. But I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to respect people properly. You know what Bolly's, but it's funny about a year and a half ago, I I sent an email to a, a female comic that I started with. And it's funny because. I was watching her stuff on uh, YouTube and listening to a podcast she does and fuck, she's so funny. Like she's just so funny. And I couldn't see that back then. Mm-hmm. All I could see is that she was uh, attractive and that she was, uh, you know, like I didn't see her for the, the, the courage and her skill level. I saw her kind of as just sort of a a female comic. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at her as a valid Entity And I judged her too much on her gender and not enough on just the brilliance of who she was. And it's, I don't know if I could have been raised different to have seen that earlier. I probably of course could have, Um, but I wasn't at the time. And I, it's funny, I I didn't, I didn't respect her enough as a performer. And I, Going back now, I see that a lot of the grief she was given by the entire comic community is because she acted like a man Hmm. and she attained success without apologizing and she just did what she did. And I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with me? Why couldn't I just see that? Why was I so uh, derailed by the fact that she was a a female, you know? And why could not I just, just cheer her on and be happy for her success? And that took me a really long time to sort of get to that thing. And I, I wrote this letter and <laughs> I was like, and I was like, I can't believe I didn't appreciate you for the brilliant comic you always were. And, and been, I should have been a, an, an ally and supportive, you know, throughout the thing. Instead, I was quiet and I, I didn't openly support the, the challenges that she went through, you know. And she wrote back. And goes, oh, I didn't know you weren't supporting me. <laughs> I was always a fan. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I, I I could have supported you more. I could have been on. I could have been. Uh, che- I could have been cheering along for your success. And now it's funny because I I, I wasn't raised with enough observance at that time. It, now um, all my favorite comics right now are women, and I there's a lot of. I think part of what that is, is that when you let yourself sort of observe what's given to you, not just women, but people of, 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 from different, radically different backgrounds than me, because mm-hmm. I've heard pretty much everything a white guy can say. Yeah. I really do feel like I, when a white guy hits the stage, there's almost a part of me going, okay, I've heard 99.9% of their takes on right. absolutely everything. Right. But women have a whole different view of things that I've never considered. And people of color, people of different uh, economic status, people of different, you know, different backgrounds completely. They offer me uh, uh, another way to look at the world. I'm not trying to be politically correct here either. No, Um, no, no. I'm just trying to. I get it. I get it. It's just I feel bad that in my 20s I couldn't see that. Well, it's all part of (laughs) of being, uh, I mean, and then
0: I've been working on this a lot myself in the last few years is that I'm I'm trying to be, uh, not that I wasn't an empathetic person, but I'm trying to be more empathetic. I'm trying to be more enlightened to be honest and then the i'm trying to be more enlightened and the thing is when you it's only listen to people who have the same you know uh, experiences and everything like you then you do end up you yeah. know in a box where you're like oh yeah and and i i see that kind of stuff on facebook and whatnot one person this happened to me and i think this and that and i'll oh, unfriend you or i'll I block am. you and i'm like well then all you're doing is creating a list of people that only share your thoughts and opinions and that's yeah. what makes you think that everything you say and do is right when you only have people that support everything that you say and do i go disagreement is how dialogue opens up It's how you get different points of view. That's how you grow and learn it's to hear something different than what you already have. Cause as soon as you stop growing, that's when
1: you're done. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with all that. I don't, I'm off. I'm not on Facebook for another reason. I, I quit Facebook last June. Um I still have my accounts and mm-hmm. my Instagram still publishes to Facebook but I don't go on it. Uh, what my my goal wasn't to quit Facebook so much as I want to remove uh the streams out of my life. I wanted to remove the news feed. I wanted to remove the 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 power of Facebook to dictate what, what uh, things occupy my brain for a day. So right. I you know I took it off all my phones and all my devices. I don't have it on anything. Um, and it's remarkable how much less stressful, how much less uh, self-conscious you are. I still have one stream that I observe, which is Instagram. And I'm gonna cut that out, but one of the beauties of Instagram is is it's not very political. Um, my it's pictures of people living and I, and it is another form of that little mini PR agent that we've all become instead of humans. Right. Uh, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. We're all spinning a tail. Um, but I'm not, uh, beleaguered on Instagram with uh, everybody's sort of new discovery of a philosophical outlook and point of view that they're espousing to make themselves sort of seem like there's something that they're, you know, like, it's just we're not letting enough people live and learning how to tolerate their living, you know, rather than yelling at them, how they shouldn't change. You know, <laughs> I just, I mean, I'm incredibly liberal. I'm an incredibly liberal person. And i I mean, I don't want anybody to be exploited. I, I want everybody to live without fear of, you know, not having a place to, to live or eat or to fulfill their joy. But, um, I don't like the tactics uh, that people are maybe trying to use to get us to that place. Right. I would much rather everybody jumped on board the ship on their own volition because it's such a great idea rather than scaring people onto the ship. <laughs>
0: but it, and, and well, and that's the thing, it, the, like we both know that fear is not a way to get people to act. And it's interesting enough too because I, I see this all the time. Like I, I do read Facebook and, and it's interesting you say like like letting it dictate what you're, what you're thinking about, what, what information, not just what information you're getting, but just how to feel about things well, you're too. putting
1: your own personal happiness in the hands of a, of an algorithm. Yeah. Which we should just be electing to rule us. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's funny because the way
0: people present, even just their arguments, I don't touch an argument with a 10 foot pole because A, I know it's pointless. Yeah. You know, I, I listen and I, and I, I read people's opinions and stuff, but I don't get involved um but one of the things was um, was just the idea that when people, here's the thing. Someone will be like, this and that happened, yada, yada. And if you think that, then you're this. And the thing is, in order to get people to, to pay attention to your argument, you can't attack them. Because just a regular human nature psychological thing is when people feel attacked, they attack back. And now it's not a dialogue, it's a fight, it's an argument, yeah. it's not. And so I, I just find that people's methods of trying to get people to be like, uh, I don't want to go too, too deep into it. It's not my intention, but like the whole, like me too stuff when people are like, Oh, you know, like everyone's just saying this and that, or every guy who thinks that this is it's like, relax, let's not start labeling everything. Let's just have a dialogue. I, I'm unaware of, of certain things in order to, to make me an ally. You know, I want to be an ally to everyone to begin with, but in order to get me to understand what everything's going on, the cause of like that rather than saying every single man you know, is this or every single woman is that maybe don't attack. Just say, here's, here's what's going on.
1: I, I didn't actually hear anybody say every single man is in.
0: Oh, I, well, here's the thing. That's what I see on Facebook all the time. Oh, really? And
1: not even necessarily the me too stuff, just whatever but, it is. But isn't that just sort of tongue, tongue in cheek for expression? Cause we use generalities all the time in comedy to say sweeping sort of saying this. We don't mean it. We use it for hyperbolic effect. And I think that there's a frustrated, um, sort of, uh, incredibly poorly treated group of our society right Mm -hmm. now that's sort of getting their voice and more than anything with the me too thing is uh i i thought it was a real i mean i i kind of knew most of this right but i think it's eye-opening to a lot of people and i think it was a powerful device my only my concern with things i think my me too is kind of a great great thing you know, I think it's a good thing as well. I think that the uh, well, my point
0: was the the arguments that come from it is some of the people there use it as an opportunity. Be any to fight
1: arguments it. there should just be people going, "Wow, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a lot." You know, yeah. like I mean, what are you arguing? Like, what? There women didn't have a shitty time. <laughs> like, what's the? Argument? No, no, of course. Like, perhaps I, perhaps that was a bad example. I guess no, no. But I ones. but you're right. That's that's the problem with Facebook is that it puts everything into sort of this combative sort of thing. But the, but here's, I don't know if I'm wording this right, but the thing that I've tried, and I try to hit myself with all the time, is that everybody has faults, right? everyone. And you can't hold people to this sort of, and this is kind of the problem with the modern sort of dialogue is that we're not letting people fuck up and make mistakes we got to let everybody make mistakes. Some mistakes are more serious than others and some require far more, you know, education, retribution, punishment, if you will. Although I'm not a fan of punishment, I'm more of a fan of uh, rehabilitation and transition, but mm-hmm. teach their own. I can't dictate my values on you and how you feel that, you know, people that violate, you know, general code should be. But, you know, I'm just one person and society has to make that statement. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm just in my own participatory agreement is protect society, rehabilitate. I don't know if punishment's the right path, but every, you know, that's not what society feels. So I'll go along with society until that changes. Um, But we do have to we have to hear the pain of everybody. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge that it's there. We have to listen, and we don't have to correct every mistake they make at first. Right, right now, just listen, just listen, and then when the the temperature cools down a little, they've had their voice. Then let's bring it back to the some traditional ideas of of social justice and 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 validation. Sort of reintroduce these these long truths about you know uh, each situation has to be read on its own accord and, and the fact that is 99 percent of them are probably it could be awful or or you know 80 percent of them but each instance you can't just have a blanket you know everybody's entitled to justice right and that goes for both sides of it and it's painful as it is i want to live in a world where everybody gets a a, a, a just a fair shake yeah. Thing. but you know what, uh, uh, there's a, the, the, you cannot deny that men have been awful to women for a really long time. And, oh, of course. And you know what, and you also can't deny that they have a right to be outraged as much as they want right now for a while. And you know what, if there's a little bit of unfairness, got to fucking roll with it because they've had a lot of unfairness for a long time too. But let's work towards the best outlet. Right. You know? Yeah, of course. It's, and- it's, I rec- you want to know what I've, I've been thinking about this reminds me of a little bit? Yeah. Nine eleven. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 9-11. The, in a way, women have had a 9 11 against them for a long time, mm-hmm. you know? And we're all coming to the terms of like, there's this, you know, this has been fucking brutal. What's, you know, what's been happening to women where they haven't had a voice. And one. So, but what we've got to be careful of is whether we t- deal with 9 11 the way the US did and attack the wrong country. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like, um, that can easily be done because as our sympathies pour out, We don't want to then commit an atrocity in the other direction, which is what Iraq was where, you know, we killed, you know, 1.5 million people that had nothing to do with 9-11. That's horrific. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, so we have the sympathies. There's no question a tragedy has been committed, but let's guide this towards getting the right yes and thing. that's i mean the u.s could have attacked brazil after 9-11 and the world would have shut up and said oh you know what that just happened oh well, fuck brazil i mean the u.s had a bad thing happen yeah <laughs> we would have rolled with it they they chose iraq it's unfortunate you know we but we want to attack the proper sort of thing i don't know i, I mean no i agree with you percent, and but, that's that's why i say like but, i i agree you know, but do you remember what happened when canada stood up and told the u.s that we didn't want to go with them in Iraq, we're the only Western country that stood up mm-hmm. as the, you know, their uh, Canada went through fucking hell for five years after that. You know, our borders got fucking turned into military zones. Everybody had to get a passport. They fucking threw sanctions on us. They toppled our government. The only reason Stephen Harper got in power is because we didn't follow the U.S. into Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, and fucking right wing money flooded into this country, flooded in to support the 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 conservatives in their win. And that's the, uh, the the liberal government got toppled by that Mm -hmm. because they got like under the table, like at least a billion dollars of subversive right wing money came into this country, focused specifically on toppling our government to become a more Bush friendly government. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going to happen. We got to be careful about how we do things. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lesson. Listen, be good. Don't become a tool for evil support. But, you know. And I'm I'm all about like like you said too,
0: it's more about rehabilitating and not punishing. Yeah. There's so much of it. Because my my position on a lot of that stuff is like I said, I support what was happening, but looking at how people were positioning because the idea is that all of it comes from a lack of, of uh, knowledge and 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 information Education on what's going on because a lot of people Just think oh it can't possibly a lot of a lot of guys Positions that I saw was oh it can't not Every one of these is true whatever it's like But don't don't have that don't look At it like that that's ridiculous yeah. and at the same time When people hear I, that's what I said About the people here they feel attacked They attack back so I'm all about Listen if you're trying to get people to To open their minds and learn in a new way The the best thing to do is to Create a warm climate to learn In yeah. as opposed to like a teacher walking into the classroom the first day, she yell comes in, starts yelling at the students, slapping the desk, everyone shut up, or I'm going to send you to the principal's office. And you're like, wow, we just, or the the teacher who wants people to learn by by being calm and making warm. Okay, guys, let's. I mean, it maybe a bad example, but
1: no, I, I I get what you're saying. I again, I feel bad. I don't want to dictate how, uh, they, uh. Want to approach this problem though. I mean I I mean
0: oh, even pull poli- pick what pick Yeah, yeah that was the it, most recent one yeah, that just no. popped in my head uh, no, but, but, but I mean even it, politics if you pick this politician then you're an idiot because this But if you attack someone call them stupid because they don't think the way you do now They're not open to your ideas because
1: you've just attacked them right. and
0: they're gonna they're gonna attack back But if you said well, tell me why it is that you think you're but right I, I'll tell but you but I also you know?
1: get why they have to do that because there are so many people with stupid opinions <laughs> out there. <laughs> and I, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating because uh, this is, the, the problem is everybody's kind of ego. It's not, dumb people aren't the problem. I've been trying to figure out and how to write this into a bit actually for a while, but it's not dumb people, because even smart people are dumb. right? You know, like there's some days, I, I might be smart on some days, some days I have, incredible mental agility where I can I can solve and I can address problems and then some days I will look for my keys for 45 minutes and they're in my pocket you need like, to get a tile <laughs> I, I, I actually have the tiles I just do you? so I, 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 well. I, I, um but um <laughs> we we all have fluctuating intelligence and problem solving abilities we all go up and down I actually think uh, leaving the house uh, the the doorknob should be a puzzle. And if you can't solve it, you know what? Fuck it! I can't go to work today. I'm too wow, stupid that's to work. Fucking smart. Um, <laughs> yeah. Should be adaptable based yeah. on what industry you're. Well, in. Well, everything should be like that. The internet should be that too. Instead of like logging in with a password, you should be confronted with you know three moral c- questions and then a then a, a, a problem. And if you can access those, then you can enter the debate that's online. But if you don't actually past those abilities you know you, you can just observe you can't participate yeah, we,
0: we're gonna put this podcast <laughs> on the internet you're giving these ideas away for free uh, I, buddy. i got
1: a lot of great ideas that i've been thinking about <laughs> Um, that's great. Uh, but so they, they have for drunk dialing, don't they
0: just a simple little thing or if you got to make before you can send a text to but, someone,
1: but there's no reason social media couldn't have some sort of uh, equitable bar. And some days we, we strive to, to be that way, but we, you know, there should be an empathetic question. There should be a, a, a critical values question and a sort of a, you know, an ability to assess, uh, you know, trust and, uh, and, and comedy and humor, mm-hmm. uh, depending on which form you go into these skills are assessed you know <laughs> like, if you don't get sarcasm maybe you shouldn't go into a comedy forum how's that yeah <laughs> you know maybe no, maybe 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 this forum's not for you maybe maybe you should go over here to the to the facts and figures forum but today you you don't get access to the <laughs> thing like um, porn in the 90s are you 18 yes yeah. or no that yeah. was that was their big but instead of decisive. are you 18 do you have do you possess the critical factors of what 18 symbolizes in the sense of do you understand that this is sort of an observatory sort of uh, uh th- th- this is a, you know, taking advantage of your own sexual animalistic desires in order to, p- to sell you something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just the sexuality as a whole. I always thought porn could be very useful if it taught foreplay and it taught uh, consent mm-hmm. and it taught like, I mean, how cool sex with consent in porn that's that made into something sexy that kids, cause kids love porn fucking put information in porn that kids like to watch, you know, yep. teach them actual real, uh, 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 d- the, d- 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 you know, the pleasing of a partner. Teach them how. Teach them how they get to the porn. Teach them a natural escalation of human interaction that shows compassion and desire that that heats the fires of caring about each other. That leads to the sex on the way there. You know, what you only get to watch a, this much porn is if you actually watched how to interact with, respectfully with women for four hours, like and training then, modules. Yeah, at a and new then corporate you shop. level <laughs> up to porn. You level <laughs> up to it, man. You know, it's like, oh, hey, you don't, you know, you don't freak out when somebody uh, says no to you. You, uh, you respect their boundaries. You get all, you go through all those things and then you get a fucking load of porn at the end. Cause that's how life is. You yep. know, you actually evolve. You actually learn how to interact with somebody. You learn that they're, that they're humans that have dreams and hopes that feel pain and you want to, you want to fuel their, their, their love and compassion for you and for, and you give that back to them. And then that builds into the fucking dirty sex that everybody wants, <laughs> you know, cause that's real, you know, but where's that? Where's that, that, that's how porn should nope, work. it's just a large pizza delivered to your <laughs> door. That's yeah, all
0: yeah, yeah. Hey, ladies. I the heard there's sauce? something wrong with your cable. Yeah. We just switched to Rogers Hey, ladies, I heard working. that
1: none of you like foreplay. <laughs> that's, that's the more realistic porn. I God. have to be back <laughs> at the shop in 20 minutes. I don't have time for your needs. God, have you ever uh, watched some 80s porn where they're not even licking on their clitoris with their oral sex? They're like, I've watched porn where they're nowhere near. It's because the, the actual bush sex. is like a, like a, what do you call it, an airbag that know, keeps them this, from getting- I know, but this trained a generation of men you know it's like well I was looking no yeah that's not that's above that's above and and they don't most men don't even realize that the clitoris uh, expands around the vagina and goes there's two wings that are beautiful wings that, that go around the opening of the vulva and that uh, is that my cat I don't um, know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's, it's there's like there's so much education that we could put in places that same with video games I always thought like video games should have information inside of them yeah like especially if you're a blockbuster video game you should be required to have have valuable information about you know Paying your taxes <laughs> you know, like, ah! or, or like different things, like, uh, you know, like how you, you know, like, you know, what'd be a good idea is if you know you were considerate on the road and you used your blinkers, like, just little, yeah, little, little they're not thing. there for you, they're there for everyone <laughs> yeah, else, like, like, just like things that you know that everybody mm-hmm. needs to know, but put inside of the stuff we love because where it is right now, good knowledge is put in places we don't want to go find it, right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you're right. You know, and we're, it's like, it's like I always love the phrase that ignorance is no defense of the law. But mm-hmm. we don't teach law in school. So we technically have to know, you know, there's, I think there's something close to 800,000 laws on the books. There's no way the average citizen could know all those things, but not knowing them, is no defense of them. So where the fuck am I supposed to learn about them? They should be taught in school, but they don't want to teach those in school because then if we actually know the laws, we'll obey the laws. And then they can't profit off the laws. Right. And they can't profit off yep. the manipulation of it. So it's like, what? no, ignorance is a good defense of the law, which is why we should teach law in school from a very young age. Right. We should teach law. We should teach consideration.
0: We should well, that teach was, that all was sorts the of stuff. Because that's the other thing they don't teach in school. They don't teach you... <laughs> Like, it's the one thing that everyone wants is love, right? Yeah. We all want love, companionship, compassion but that's another thing that they don't teach in school. Nobody teaches you, they'll teach you sex, they'll teach you how, how we scientifically reproduce and whatnot, Yeah. but they don't teach you how to establish
1: a relationship, how to establish, uh, you know, and that's, respect. And that's and, because and religious and, people flip out about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they flip out about the sex, but they'd also flip out about the every other aspect of, well, women are subservient to men. Why would they have yeah. to? <laughs> like- <laughs> and it's funny, because you come
0: out of school, everyone, everyone, it's like, it's the one thing that we're all supposed to be chasing, not supposed to be, but just even by we chase the companionship the the mate yeah. a partner and it's we have none of us have any skills on it you know what I mean? We yeah. come out and it's like, you know, you do have, you know, your parents, maybe as an example, my parents were terrible examples of how to oh, have too. a relationship. So it's like, yeah. so I mean, I got into a new relationship. I was shit in it. Why? Cause I had fucking no experience. And it didn't even mean I didn't respect the other person. I
1: just didn't have the skill set. I'm like that with money. I never saw a good example of how to manage money my entire life. Plus my father raised me to, he convinced me that the world was going to end before I was in my, you know, before I was 21. So I never, ever paid my bills because mm-hmm. world's end fuck it right yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't think I was gonna ever live to be twenty three every day so I, I took life. out loans and credit cards and I just fucking spent and I and it's like hey what the fuck the world was supposed to end <laughs> and it didn't and so I had to relearn how to manage money on a yeah she's a daredevil isn't she she's funny. um yeah my, she's watching the cat <laughs> my cat is the most curious fucking she at night if we don't feed her she knocks glasses onto Courtney Really? Yeah. Yeah. If she leaves a glass or anything or anything on, on the dresser by the bed, she'll start and she'll knock. And one time uh, she knocked a glass off and it's smashing it. And it's like, now we can't put anything on the thing. Cause that's she'll, she's brutal when she wants to get fed in that box, that Amazon box over there that I haven't yeah. opened is a programmable automatic cat feeder, feeder nice that, as... that works with Google Home where i can just go feed the cat and it will automatically so i don't have to get remotely and, yeah oh that's even yeah. cool too cuz yeah <laughs> you know you don't have to do it at night but you could do it remotely from your phone like google exactly google. It goes to the that's phone amazing. and Google Home because she is she needs to be fed like 7 times a day just a little bit but right she constantly has to eat I got off watching her walk there, hey? across yeah. the table. Sorry. No, it was
0: only like, cause I have a Jack Russell. So yeah. when my dogs around doing stuff, I always have to like, I can be in the middle of talking, doing something, but I just got to keep an eye because one minute he could just be looking at something. And the next minute he's jumping on something and knocking something over. So I just, whenever I see an animal, just, uh, be a little <laughs> curious. Just, just keep
1: an eye on it. Yeah. I, we, she's not the most loving animal, but I love her mm-hmm. a lot, you know, which, uh, that's a, the cats are good, uh, exercise in giving love. Without reciprocating, which is important, I think, to learn in this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I have t- had two definitions of love in my life that have always stuck with me. That I always love. One is uh, f- true love is finding somebody that you want to give to endlessly without expecting anything in return. Which I guess is ideally cats. That was dev- that, that statement was created by a cat, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other is finding somebody that you want that you uh, want to be completely naked in front of, body and soul and never hide anything from. And that's kind of what I have with my wife where we don't lie. We don't, uh, We there's no secret. Like if I find somebody attractive or whatever, you don't, you just, you, you share that and you don't, you don't, you'd never keep it secret. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, see? Yep, knock the water bottle. Oh, there's the cat food. Is it? Well, it's a, it looks like cat oh, kibble. Yeah. But it's specifically that, because that's what she wants. That's her right. treat. She's letting you know, yeah, yeah. and then she, she just kn- sits just, and stares at you. She literally heard us talk about it and then did that <laughs> fucking thing. That's, isn't that that's hilarious? Like, oh, she yeah. knocked shit off the table that she wants us to deal with. <laughs> um i wish everyone could see this she's just sitting at
0: perched like a gargoyle at the edge of the table just staring at us
1: looking down at
0: the container back at us the container back at us now she's cleaning herself
1: but there's something wonderful that um i think a lot of people are scared to experience in um stripping themselves naked in front of somebody else, uh, not just uh, bodies. One way I think I think nude beaches are great for that too, because uh, I have a lot of insecurities about my body, my appearance, and stuff like that. I don't have a great body and stuff like that, but I find a nude beach um, and and nude spas that we go to incredibly empowering because you see the humanity of everybody else. That we're not perfect creatures. We're yeah. not this illusion that we're fed constantly through media to feel insecure about ourselves. But real people are real people, and there's beauty in every type of body and every type of uh, person. And you judge yourself so much less, and that comes with being uh, almost like a nudist emotionally too, mm-hmm. and a nudist about your feelings. And 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 you strip down the facades, and you and you do that in front of other people. We well, become vulnerable. That's yeah. the thing. Is you become it? It, to allow yourself to be vulnerable.
0: Is, is It's scary,
1: but there is a freedom in it. It's in fucking awesome, though. Yeah. And it's it's awesome to let those things go. And it's le- it's awesome to let somebody know when you're afraid. It's, le- it's awesome to let somebody know you don't know the answer, uh, that you're not perfect, and that you have flaws. And I that's something I don't see. And this brings us back to social media. And one of the other reasons I quit social media is that whenever I was honest about how I felt, I found this almost hilarious, but I couldn't respond this way, is let's say I didn't have a great show. Right. Right. And I'd go on social media and I go, you know what? That wasn't a great show and stuff like that. I would have messages from people going, are you okay? You sound depressed. Uh, Mm. (laughs) Like, because everybody's so used to this positivity, this rah, 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 the demo reel on Facebook. The second that you're at all real in social media, people think there's something drastically wrong rather than the fact that you're being a human with real ups and downs real sort of fluctuations of of your everyday life and I, I was trying to be as as real as possible on that medium and all it meant was I was dealing with like eight nine messages of a day which is nice that people cared but at the same point it was very unrealistic yeah like you're you're acting like, that's not a normal aspect of humanity to feel bad about certain things to not love something to not you know we're both we love and we don't it it goes up and down yeah social media is not allowing us the full spectrum of humanity
0: yeah people panic way worse now when they feel bad because they're like i shouldn't feel this isn't right this isn't healthy what's wrong with me you're 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 having a bad day like there's shit happens not everything is going to be yeah that's why that's why i call it the demo reel everyone looks at facebook look at all these other people who are happy all the time they're not. That's yeah. everyone just putting the best and out that's, there. That's that's
1: a problem with Instagram still, is because Instagram very much promotes people that are happy, that don't have pimples, that don't. I always, I try to point out my flaws. Yeah, I saw really the airport shot <laughs> from yesterday. <laughs> like, I, I just, I, I, enjoy. I, I want, I want real. I want, uh, and and I think social media, if we were, if we were smart about it, could make us more real. But until we take the profit motive out of it, see, that's the problem with Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that is that the reason that they want to manipulate our emotions up and down is because they're trying to make a profit by selling things. And you see that, you see that in your newsfeed. Um, You know, there are, there's all these sort of things that they're trying to monetize off of your emotional instability, whether they're based in vanity, whether they're based in, oh, look at her, she's letting you pet her. Um, It's, it's incredibly profitable for people because how do we treat sadness in the modern world we we Medicaid. buy yeah we buy something we, we we buy something for ourselves you know i'll feel better if i get a you know a new coat or a, a this or a and it we financially hand over money in this sort of thing to feel better when in fact all we need to do to feel better is to have people around us that accept us for who we are Yeah, And that's becoming harder and harder because now we don't allow people to even make one mistake in their life before they're written off. Oh, yeah.
0: And that's that's the worst part. I meant to say that earlier when we were discussing the, you know, people need to be able to make mistakes. You make more mistakes when you're afraid to make mistakes. The more scared you are to do something, that's when you make mistakes. What you fear, you draw near. Yeah. And that's the thing. I do it all the time. If I'm
1: stressed. But we also make moral mistakes. And that's something that people don't seem to understand there's a great uh, lawyer that defended the poor in uh, for the Southern Poverty Law Center in the. US I forget his name off the top of my head but he's a brilliant lawyer and he made this defense and says are we to ju- are is our worth that of the worst thing we've ever done and I always thought that's an interesting concept is the worst thing we've ever done our worth for our lives mm-hmm you know and the funny thing is is that people get caught for certain things but almost everybody's done something pretty bad not horrible. yeah you know, i don't think everybody's murdered somebody or anything like right. that but we've done all done something that's pretty bad but we don't hold our own self-worth at that level but we hold anybody else's at right. that worst thing that we're knowledgeable of and like that, you're the guy who dropped that chick at prom. You'll always be that person. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm joking. You know, I, I do beat myself I joke. That too. But I've done. Uh, you know, I've 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 made a lot of people cry with things that I thought were funny when I was younger too, and I and I regret those things. But at the time, I didn't possess the intellectual in, uh, insight or the empathy, to be honest with you, to understand that what I was saying was mean. But now I do, and I wouldn't do it now. But would should i have been stopped at that moment of saying that to never have evolved to the point where i know that and that's sort of a weird conundrum and we're not letting certain people and nobody should have to be the sacrificial pain to get to that human evolutionary point but if it's already happened we do kind of where do we what do we do with it but sometimes we're part of someone else's lesson and
0: that's the thing too is like i mean i i don't believe necessarily believe everything happens for a reason it feels like kind of a cop out at times to say that but at the end of the day like i almost like if i was aware that you know what i'm feeling shitty now but you're helping somebody else I would almost be like, okay, yeah. well, that makes it feel better. <laughs> if, if someone else is going to be a better person yeah. because I, I was yeah. that part of their their plot but or whatever. But some
1: days we can be that, and some days we can't. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. other thing. It's I'd like, love to not always be the fucking some, whipping boy for everybody else's Some days tutorials. I can be cut off in traffic and go, oh, man, that guy's in a rush. I hope he gets there. And other days I'm like, who the fuck? Fuck is this guy? <laughs> oh, yeah. They didn't learn anything in that moment. They didn't learn
0: anything in that
1: moment. But we also, you know, we, we all fluctuate. We're all human. We all fuck up. We all make mistakes. If you continually, repeatedly do the same bad thing, then yeah. yeah, there's something fucking wrong. Yeah. But if you, I mean, but if you fuck up once and you learn from that, that's okay. That's, that's kind of what life's about. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, what is it? Even I, I,
0: I'm sure he's not the first one to say it, but I did hear, uh, uh, fuck. Well, there was a character in a movie that I would get in shit for spoiling if I said his name, but he just said that uh, success or sorry, failure is the best teacher.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because you I mean you don't you don't necessarily learn that much from success, but when you fail, that's when you really learn and grow the most.
1: Yeah, and also I I don't want to be uh I I don't want to give away my power to somebody else too, if something bad's happened to me and somebody else does something bad to me there's and i've been fucked over i've i've had some horrible things happen to me on a different levels of uh inappropriate boundaries where people have overstepped especially when i was younger i was a very good looking young boy um (laughs) but um i i as much as they caused me psychic damage at the point at the time i'd never want to be that person that was held back by those interactions right and you move past them and that's my personal choice some people don't know and can't do that and that they have to deal with it their way but we each deal with stuff our own way and you can't fault people for that but you can wish them peace yeah (laughs) well some
0: people will take that that happening and just that's the excuse for the rest of life to never have to move forward and 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 whatnot
1: too and some people but some people and i honestly i think it's the precursor to the incident that creates that Imp- impassable thing, which is why I think we need to demystify and lower the value of 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 sexuality. Because I think a lot of the shame that people feel is from outsiders judging people for what's happened to them, which is an awful characteristic of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept of women having sexual experiences being uh, uh, sluts—I think that's so uh, unfair. That, well, it's not just unfair, but it also creates the long-term psychic damage of of, of it hurting far more than it should. There's a, you know who, uh, uh, the girl, it's an essay that I I read from the girl that was abducted. The, the 13 year old that was abducted, uh, Amy smart. Is it Amy smart? She's an actress. No, Elizabeth smart. Elizabeth smart. She was a young girl that was abducted by this man and used as a sexual slave for years. Okay. And she went to this school to give a talk about it. And in front of her was a person that was teaching sexual abstinence to the class and described um, uh, girls as a used-up piece of chewing gum. You don't want to. You don't want to chew on gum that's already been chewed on. And like giving this example of how sexuality is something to be prized and protected. And then it. it and she wrote this essay about how she didn't think she was damaged. Mm-hmm. She was. You know, it's horrible what happened to her. There's no question for it. But. Th- that that didn't change that she was a beautiful and wonderful person with a lot to offer this world yeah and that message of making it seem like sexual sexuality was a damaging aspect yeah that it forever tarnished this person for having sex yeah was, people adopt was, other was, people's was stigmas. What played was what played into her being having this outward shame forced upon her for what yep. happened to her when she th- didn't see herself that way and i thought that's something that we have to address. And that's also comes down to the fact that we, sh- we need to stop treating sex workers like they're not fucking actual workers in our society that are doing something. Um, they should be treated with respect and, and love and, and there should be no barriers to them. Like the fact that uh, there's a lot of people that do a lot of things that you might not be able to handle and you might not think are okay for you, but they're doing it and mm-hmm. that's their fucking choice. And you need to open up the like the way the police didn't research and didn't uh, go after the women in Vancouver that were missing in the Lower East Side that took 20 fucking years before they seriously took, hey, there's women prostitutes going missing in Vancouver. They didn't give a shit because Mm -hmm. of that mentality that somehow because they were sex workers, they don't fucking matter. Well, you know what? It's time for that to end. It's time for. Any woman in any profession, whether they're seamstresses, doctors, PhDs, or sex workers, and all people, whatever you do, everybody's life fucking matters. Mm-hmm. If you go missing, you go missing. Not part of what your employment has anything to do with that. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's too big an out. And the fact that with so many people, even my parents, one of the worst fights I ever got in with my mom was about sex workers. Uh, going missing and she goes, well, should they kind of ask for it with that lifestyle? No, nobody asks for it. Right, every single human being. Yeah, you wouldn't you, like. I mean, are you going to turn around and be like, "Oh yeah, a hiker goes missing"? But, it asked for it. Someone went jogging. They're asking for it. But like, that's no. But that's so ingrained in our society, and that's where I find the crux point. That's why I think it's so important that we talk about sex workers in our in our public, because that's the root where even even the li- the liberals and the and the people. Oh, I don't know. There's something about no. Just you listen to them. You you listen. What do sex workers want? What yeah. do they want? You ask them and then you give that to them. They want protection. They want respect. They want dignity yeah. and you fucking give it. You don't go, oh, they chose it. To- no, fuck you. Dude, shut up, yeah. <laughs> shut up and just listen. And, and that, and from that point when you start doing cause every guy I know jerks off to sex workers. Every guy. There's not a guy I know. And don't even pretend that you, you're a fucking priest or whatever. You jerk off to sex workers someplace. Mm-hmm. But they're somehow lower than you. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, you wish you were there with them <laughs> yeah. in that moment. But, you, but, but you're sitting there. That's and, a, uh, but that's a masculine psychology that I fucking despise. That we can observe exploit sexually and then think lower of that person on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. That's not the way it should be.
0: (laughs) If anything, we should
1: be holding them up. (laughs) You know, like if anything, they deserve a little bit more credit than, than other people, (laughs) you know, like that's fuck. they they, we should have a parade for them every year and celebrate (laughs) the fucking courage and the fact that they've been treated like shit for so many centuries. Like their like their property or or just some sort of thing. No, they're fucking well, like wonderful. That's the world's people. oldest
0: oldest profession. Right? Yeah,
1: they're they're. In, I I'm just I I just find the psychology of dismissing sex workers an aspect of a of a of a of a cancer that's much deeper inside of our view of human sexuality and exploitation and ownership in our society. And that and if we picked at that scab and we solved that, we would dwell far deeper into who we are to become better people on every tangent when it comes to exploitation in every field from you know, fucking people working in dangerous mines to bad, you know, farming and stuff like whatever, everything has a danger to it when it's put on a capitalistic spectrum. And if you've sort of observed the concept of sex work and what it means in our society and the way we've manipulated all our values against sort of treating them like human beings, we could look at every other profession and lift it up as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the tip point of where we really need to look hard at ourselves to become better people sorry no dude no don't apologize no that's one of the reasons i love talking with you because like
0: (laughs) i love uh yeah you're just you're 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 incredibly well informed and i love and i love having the conversation because i too love hearing someone else i was going to uh posit the line there it's just when you're saying like no don't shut up don't talk and just listen (laughs) i was going to use that old cliche it's like yeah that's why you have two you know one mouth and two ears you know what i mean just listen listening is going to get you farther than just
1: and I can't hear well out of one ear, so i gotta, I, I got to <laughs> double here. <laughs> yeah, man.
0: Well, I mean, forgive me for it. It's going to sound fucking stiff as hell to bring it back. But, I mean, obviously, I, I wanted to say how my first time ever seeing you do stand-up was your Comedy Now special. And I have seen many, 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 many comedy now specials, and somehow they have a way of editing out the funny of all of them. <laughs> um, but uh, yours is, honestly, I can count on one hand how many comedy now specials that were, were great start to finish, that even though they probably tried to fuck up, didn't mention. Your comedy now special was great. I and that was my first chance to see you. it. Um, I, I it
1: don't remember it. I remember aspects of it. I remember it was way too hot, and they had to stop it, like, if you were there, you wouldn't have believed. I think they stopped it seven times during the taping because oh, really? I was sweating so much because they taped it in a, in a, I've never experienced this in the entire 25 years of, I think I've done probably, I've probably done 30 TV appearances. It's the only time I've been in a studio where they didn't air condition the studio. Yeah, no, <laughs> they shot in the middle I've of summer. I've heard from many people worse conditions. <laughs> and I was like, how how is this possible? Like it, everybody was dying of heat and I of course, I have I have hyperhidrosis. So I'm just, you know, I'm and at the time I didn't have like I do now 30 minutes on sweating. Uh, so, <laughs> so I was very young at the time, but I couldn't stop sweating, so I had to stop constantly. The other, and then I had a huge argument about wearing a short sleeve shirt, they weren't going to let me perform in a short sleeve dress shirt, and I'm like, I hey. Look at me! I'm dying of heat. I have to have a short sleeve dress shirt. They wanted you what full dress shirt? Or yeah, something? they were almost gonna you know, not tape because that's I, ridiculous. I know it's such a weird thing over wardrobe, it, but I, I don't remember the comedy I did. I know I was still very young, but
0: I can remember some of it only because I, I never. To... No, I'm not gonna throw it out. I don't. But want to... I, uh, I just remember that was my first time seeing you. I had never. I mean, you were at West, and I'm only at that point only just a kid watching
1: whatever comedy I can get my eyes on oh, wasn't a comic. That was my second special. Was it really? Yeah, because I, I nobody remembers this show, but I'd I'd already taped uh, comics. Yeah, CBC comics, eh. and that was an interesting show because that was in a real uh, kind of that was in a studio studio, so it didn't even feel it didn't feel like a comedy club. Whereas at least comedy now is like in a in a theater, like right, you know. Whereas this was like in a TV studio where people were sitting in, and it was and they laughed too much. Oh really? <laughs> like, but uh, but we got to shoot little sketches in between which I loved about comedy, uh, the comics. So, uh, one sketch, uh, I still liked them both. One was, um, uh, why I was good at dealing with the audience. And I explained to the interview, I got Peter Mansfield, Riserbridge Mansbridge, Mansbridge yeah, yeah. to interview. He was, he, he, cause you, he had all the CBCs sort of stuff at, at your disposal. So it was Peter Mansbridge interviewing me about how I was so good with hacklers. And I go, well, I had the worst heckler of my life in this town. And, uh, what I did was, and it was Allah, um, um, uh, Inspector Clouseau with Cato. Oh, okay. I brought him home with me so that whenever I came home, I would get hackled in mm-hmm. order to practice. And so we went to my place and it was uh Lawrence Morganstern okay. just hackling me as soon as I walked through the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I always liked that sketch. I was like,
0: uh. I'll see if I get, I, that. I never got to see, but I, uh, I just <laughs> remember thinking you were the greatest. When I started stand up comedy, um, you were already in the UK so how long into your comedy career like and what what made wow. you decide to move to the UK? Well, I moved
1: to LA first. I lived in LA did for you? Okay. seven and a half years. So I moved to LA in 96, I think. Um, I would at I done Just for Laughs. That was the first time I did Just for Laughs and I did the Montreal show, which is the smallest show in the JFL. Um, and it's why I moved to Montreal cuz I couldn't even get an audition in Vancouver cuz back then they didn't even come out there to look at any of the talent. So I moved to Montreal and uh, I spent a year there and I got the local show and there's 10 of us on there and uh, I did I did my set and uh, I was just I, I lucked out and um, some guys from Warner Brothers were there. Oh yeah and they they loved it and they, so they I didn't have a manager I didn't have a phone my phone got cut off this is a true story so I, I was so poor i'd never been poorer than when i lived in montreal and i yet somehow very happy um and so they called my neighbor across the street and they had to come across because he's he a comic too oh, okay okay
0: i was gonna say and, that's yeah well it sounds like more effort than any book i would i put didn't have <laughs> a, i didn't have a
1: phone number because you know my phone was disconnected so they called the, uh, i think it was craig uh, different Craig than everybody knows. He was an improv guy. And so he came over and goes, hey, um, the guy from the festival needs to talk to you. And so I walked over to his house and I picked up the phone. <laughs> He's like, hey, uh, do you want to meet for coffee? Talk? So he offered to represent me. I didn't know it at the time that Warner Brothers already had wanted to do a deal with me. So, oh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of. Kind oh, of, he just went, got yeah. <laughs> to get his piece of it. Yeah. In retrospect, I get it. It makes sense. Right. Um, and I don't, but I do find that that was like the first sort of entrance of how I, of, of Hollywood and how it worked. And then, uh, so they offered me this deal, but by the end of the week, I had, I had offers from just everyone. I had Disney and Fox and. Like there was like, I, I had people passing me their cards over bathroom doors and. Really? Yeah. It was it, the first festival. I'll, I, it could never be repeated. I don't, cause I don't think that exists anymore. That feeding frenzy of deals back then. Right. But it was an incredible experience. Like, I mean, and I, I had my choice of every agent, like, I mean, UTA, CAA, Gersh, you know, I ended Very up signing cool. with William Morris, you know, but I took meetings everywhere, you know, and they are all. And, and, and it was just, it was, it was, it was, it was an unreal time. It was like this, but it was, they were making mistakes. Like I think they're kind of making now. I was just, I wasn't a very good comic. <laughs> I really wasn't. I mean, I, you can, you can go, Oh, well you had something. I, I had something, mm-hmm. but I wasn't a good comic back then. I was just, I was, had a good look and I was young, but I didn't have enough life experience to be a good comic. I certainly didn't have life tools to deal with any type of level of success. And I I went in LA and I did, and I went through a series of deals. I was with Warner Brothers, and then I had like three from HBO and Castle Rock and Fox. Mm -hmm. So I went through all these deals um, to try and, you know, get me to, be, you know, create a sitcom. And I just, I couldn't handle the pressure. I I, I was awful at auditions. I didn't like being judged. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like, I don't like, I don't like auditions either. Um, but I, you know, I got to, I did get to be at the genesis of the alternative comedy movement, which was a real privilege. So, and that was actually something I didn't realize at the time was such an amazing thing. Um, and also I, I was, I was basically ran out of the community too because of my stupid behavior mm. and my lack of empathy and consideration um but uh, to artistic people i didn't understand artistic people i was still a small town canadian boy so i didn't right. i didn't get that not everybody wasn't going for laughs some people were going and i didn't understand that back then i couldn't understand it i didn't i was you know and i regret not being smart enough but I mean, but I did get the advantage of, it. I got to, you know, I got to do tons of shows with like Sarah Silverman, Jean Graffalo and Marilyn Rice Cub and, you know, Patton Oswald and Blake Apache yeah. And that was all my group, uh, you yeah. know, that was, that was who I was doing shows with. And I was like, I was like this kid at the time, they were all older, but I was part of that but i slowly you know wore out my welcome with my behavior mm. you know and also a little bit of alcohol abuse to mix in with that cuz you you know you're scared and you you do what you can and i didn't handle those years very well and ultimately by the end of it by the time i left la i had probably the lowest self esteem i'd ever had in my life mm. you know and i'd broken up with my fiance at the time and you know and that was by the time it was 2003 and i just i went to i went to north carolina for a year And I just decided I was going to do the road and just do comedy clubs in the south, which doesn't exactly lift your self-esteem being a northerner, (laughs) Um, but I need to recover. And so I smoked a lot of pot. I learned to surf and uh, I did shows for a year out there. And then I kind of regrounded myself. I swallowed my pride. I came back to Canada, moved back to Vancouver and, uh, and I, Spent two years just focusing on falling in love with myself again, and not and not hating myself for my behavior, and growing up, and learning to be responsible, pay my bills, mm-hmm. it, all these things that I just didn't know how to do, and just become a fucking adult. And I did all those things. You know, it took me two years, and and I remember being really happy and f- happy myself. And that's when I you know attracted my wife. And I've always said this about love: it's that you gotta get your shit together, you gotta love yourself before you can attract somebody else. Mm -hmm. to love you and also to love somebody else appropriately. And I wouldn't have known that younger. And I treated my relationships poorly because I didn't love myself early on, but now loving myself, I knew that I could love somebody else too. Yeah. And so now I've, you know, we, we fell in love. We got married. I've been, this is 11 years now. We've been together and. So you guys met
0: in Vancouver? not Vancouver. Yeah.
1: And then we, you know, she got offered a modeling contract in the UK. So I went over and, um. Yeah. And just things clicked for me. And that was also the time when the, the, the crash happened. So modeling died. I, a lot of people don't realize that, but advertising pages, you know, Vogue went from 400 pages to 200 mm. in 2007 because there's no advertising. So there's no work for models. And then also the transition to digital changed a lot too. So she was, she wasn't getting as much work, but comedy was taking off for me. And so I stayed there for seven and a half years and just focused on on that you know (laughs) yeah
0: well and and i remember because i remember like uh, vividly when i was i was you and i had chatted a couple times on facebook and then i saw a post of yours that said you were moving back to toronto yeah and i immediately was like i have a show coming up (laughs) i would love you to be on it um that was the hilarious bastards uh what a oh, year was or so
1: such ago a, such a great show yeah yeah and, and you well, really do a good job there wow
0: <laughs> well thanks i haven't done it i haven't done one in close to a year now but really uh, that was they yeah were awesome that it, it's a fun fun show three headliners doing 20 minutes yeah you know what i mean like, well that's the, very british well that's why yeah. it was that uk format i was talking yeah. with brian lasnick Uh, A while back and Brian was saying how like and your name came up in the conversation about just how like these guys over there They're killing it 20 minutes 20 minutes 20 minutes intermission 20 minutes 20 minutes now a 90 minute show There isn't enough time or room to do that But you know, he was just saying how like I don't know why nobody just thinks let's just just put on a monster show 20 minutes uh, with with headliners They're gonna just kill it with with a stuff 20 minutes. and That's a show. No one's gonna forget so I took the the chance on it and i was like well i can't do four of them but i can do three yeah and i could i got hotel sponsors to to put everybody up and everything like that and uh just just made it viable enough right and i'm like i the only night i didn't get the club is a monday though so it does make it hard to sell the place out and things like that in a government town on a work night kind oh, of yeah, thing yeah. right so um it went well the first few i think what it was it was you just i was doing too tour. many of them well it, but here's the other thing because you you comment, you're like look you're smart you're doing smart i'm like like I have no idea how to do that <laughs> stuff. I I know how to use the club that I already have at my disposal to, yeah. to book a show and everything like that. But the idea of like not being in the city where I can't like, cause I'll hit the ground and I'll promote, I'll do the work. I guess for me, what it is, is I don't necessarily know what all the work is involved. Mm. So if I was buying a venue in another city and I'm not there to make sure that those posters are going up and that that
1: promotion <laughs> is being done it's very. Uh... I think the best the best example for how to do that is Dan Quinn out west. Yeah, I mean Dan uh, turned the Snowden. It's it's on its tenth year or eleventh year now. Snowden Comedy Festival. Uh, yeah, when did they start? Two thousand eight. So it's nine, ten years. Man. I don't know. It's coming up. It's a, but um, he started that. You know, just a small little thing, and just you know, you 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 take it in the teeth for the first three years. That's just the thing with anything, any festival, anything like that. <laughs> You know, you don't want, you don't, you don't make money. You don't, you don't lose money either. You just work way harder just to break even. Right. And then you, you take where the, where it's growing and you, and you, you fuel that you get it bigger and bigger. And now it's like, God, he, he makes, makes enough in that month to pay for his entire year. (laughs) Well, it's (laughs) one of the things that I want to work on. Yeah. Um, But a tour is now it's a brand. Now he's got a brand, you know, that's bigger than the names on the show, the brand itself. Right. So, uh, the, the, he's got he's just very smart he hustles works never stops finding sponsors getting ways and what and through that trial and error too like immense trial and error like between facebook ads and print ads and all these things which ones actually drive you in different seats and different markets have different things Mm -hmm. you know and different pairings with radio stations and different papers like some radio stations they'll do deals with a lot of promoters you got a show coming to the theater where they'll promote it on the air for a certain amount of tickets and then a certain amount off of each ticket. So, like, if so, let's say it's a $25 ticket, you know, $2 goes to the radio station, you know, if they and then they'll promote it and they'll right. do a deal with you and like. You know, they're all
0: in. They all got their hands in there, but you got to figure out which one's worth it. Well, and that's the thing. I need uh, I need to get more of it. now. Now, speaking of brands and sponsors, I've been looking for an <laughs> opportunity to uh, to insert this here. Okay, who, uh, who's Well, your ad? well, the uh, the newest uh, sponsor for uh, for that is, is actually back is uh, Absolute Comedy. They are all the right. only <laughs> people who get to advertise during the bonus episodes with the guests. So right. this is where uh, I say, of course, thank you to my sponsors, Absolute Comedy, okay. and uh, and then I play uh, I play their ad for sixty seconds. You know, I get to take a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right, sounds good.
1: and
0: we're back sorry i'm trying not to make us too too hot here i'm gonna turn our mics back up we were just having a little chat while you guys listen to that
1: um i checked my social media (laughs) (laughs) after all that fucking talk but no i just I, I, i i get people communicate to me on all the platforms that's the one thing i can't get rid of is the messages i get so you get messages from people I just want to reach out to you. It's. Uh, I keep it as an address book too. I'm not. Yeah. I'm
0: not very active on social media. I will share the occasional odd couple animals video, just things that make me feel happy and smile. I'll, I'll share. <laughs> I will share the happy stuff because yeah. everyone else is sharing the negative and the angry stuff. So I'm like, I. I I'm not the counterbalance, but uh, I try to just. Well,
1: when I go on Twitter, I, I usually keep it to like four or five minutes because I'll go on and I'll I'll have written down jokes in my notes all day and of ideas and thoughts that I think are funny. And then I'll wait till I'm at home or someplace where, you know, and I'll just put them all on at once, which is, I know that's the wrong way to do it. Cause somebody told me, you're oh, you're supposed to put them on at five and nine AM and stuff like that. HootSuite. Yeah, I'm not up at nine and uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't And also you're supposed to space them out, but I'm like, fuck that. I just do them all at once. And uh, yeah, I use a thing on the computer. It's called HootSuite.
0: It's free yeah, if you only I, have a couple, oh, no, so like, you can write them and then schedule them. So you can do it all at once, no, but you don't I, have to I've, be there when they, when they
1: offered it. me this thing, this free two year management thing. Cause the, they, uh, they approach, uh, uh, it's back in the UK. They're like, oh, okay, okay, cause they wanted to get sort of people on it. There were comics and things to use their products. I, I, it, and it's great, but I just, it's t- I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're a good company. I love that they're Canadian too. Yes. Uh, yeah. I just, think, are I, they at West? yeah they're out west they're a really good company and i mean and i think they're great for brand management and stuff like that but again i try not to think of myself as a brand more as a human mm-hmm. um but that's hard sometimes because then as soon as you start being a human then people start trying to exploit your humanity yep. Yep. <laughs> you know it's like it's like that close talker after the show it's like hey i really loved your show and then you want to be genuine back to them like, oh i really appreciate that thank you very much and what's your name stuff like that But they don't realize that there's like 40 other people that want to talk to you. And then they try to monopolize you. And then they talk to you real close. And it's like, okay, but there's, (laughs) then you've, they've, they've kind of exploited that aspect of your own personal humanity. But at the same point, I'm thrilled that they care and that they're such loving people and they're interested in me. The same point, there's like four people here trying to talk to me too. Yeah. And it's like, you can't. can't yeah, ration out. Yeah, yeah, ration it out, be it, self-aware, reasonable. like
0: talk to me, but maybe maybe say hello, then stand to the side and wait while everyone else gets a turn and then see if there's seconds afterwards, well, right? That's
1: actually something I've been thinking about doing on YouTube is showing people how to talk to comics after a show, Yeah. because there's, I know it sounds horrible, but people are incredibly cruel sometimes to other comics. And I uh, nothing will make me more upset is if somebody comes up to me at a, after a show and they'll go I thought you were funny. And I'm like why would you say that in front mm-hmm. of the other comics? Yeah. Like what the fuck? You were my favorite. Why do you have to compare yeah,
0: us or yeah. or I'm quantify? Like, Just say I enjoyed the show. Thank you guys. Who does that to people? Like who oh, where, yeah.
1: where what other job? Would that be okay? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I had someone say that to me right next. to,
0: the, I was hosting, and someone yeah. said that to me right next to the headliner. And they're like, "You were the best one on the show." I go, oh
1: my god, what a nice thing to say right in front of the headliner! To, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I mean, it happens everywhere. I've, I've had people say it to other comics, and it, it doesn't actually bother me that much when people say it to other comics. I can totally agree when those people like those people. It's like, yeah, they're probably right for you. First of all, comedy is completely subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never gonna have everybody like you, but people act like their opinion. Is the be all end all. And, yeah. well, and I've always. What do you guys all judges on American Idol? You were good. I voted that's thumbs new. up. That's new. And yeah. I, having done this for 25 years, yeah, I remember right. when people used to say, oh man, I thought you were great tonight. You know, and I was like, oh, thanks. That was the go-to thing people said 20 years ago. <laughs> it changed about 15 years ago to, uh, you're funny, you're funny, you're not funny. Like it turned, it changed to the judgment. Something happened in 25 years where it changed from an opinion to a judgment. And I find that fascinating because that's not just in comedy. We're just a bellwether, but that's in everything we experience. Like, hey, um, I just had some curry at this restaurant. It's the best curry ever, or it's the worst curry ever. Who fucking cares? To you, it's yeah. what it is. You know, it, people have a self-importance, <laughs> people have a self-importance now that
0: they didn't maybe, maybe, oh, because now it's like, oh, everything I say matters now.
1: Well, it, it, we're all going through this solipsistic delusion right now that we're all living in movies and, and we're living in a, an, a sort of a a, 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 taped reality that's artificial, um, that we're, I mean, there's this phenomenon right now where people think they're being observed, even when they're not being observed. So mm-hmm. their, their behavior, even when they're alone, isn't natural. I'm like, fuck, that's crazy. That's just crazy. That's where we're living right now. And we've allowed this to happen through, you know, constantly being exposed to the thing that me and you both love. Technology is an Mm -hmm. aspect of it. It's like I used to talk about how people used to behave better on buses when I was growing up. And the reason being is that you had to be on that journey for the next two hours with other people on buses. Mm -hmm. So you didn't act like a dick. Because you know, there's 30 other people on that bus that would think you're a dick. Now you can act like a dick on that bus, and then everybody hates you. You go to your phone, and somebody else, someplace, will go. You know what? You were right. Don't you worry about it. Because there's no. Yeah, that's what they look for. your, your allegiance validation is not to those around you anymore and it's turned us all into these well the, to borrow a term from china with their one child policy little emperors mm-hmm. and empresses, for that matter um because i mean this is a non-gender specific poor behavior sort of thing um both genders are awful at it uh, <laughs> we're just we're becoming more and more self-centered and less tolerant of other people being other people yeah i wonder where the end game for that will we swing back i I mean our hope is we'll swing back i always thought certain technologies might help us become more empathetic that was my hope with virtual reality is i had this idea that perhaps through the intimate complete immersion to an alternative reality that we can create we can much like novels they, they show that people that read more novels are more empathetic because they see things from a very i mean novels get right inside your head you feel Like I mean, novels are the old virtual reality, (laughs) right? Yeah, like like novels, reconnection with your imagination. Yeah, when you you, when you when you when you write from an omniscient perspective, you're you're existing inside of a character's headspace while observing the world. I mean, Rasnalinkov in uh, Crime and Punishment, his guilt was so transitional in, mo- in novel format because of the way it was written was our own thoughts and guilts and wonders of killing this, uh, this, this loan shark and her innocent sister. And even though we thought we were doing good, we also did a tremendous evil and it corrupted us. I mean, that's Crime and Punishment was the first one that sort of take us to that place. And that made everybody that read that book a better person mm-hmm. because it took them through something they would never do themselves. 99% of us are never going to kill a pawn you know, or alone, or uh, some, and, and, and somebody that's exploited like that. But we're also, you know, we're never going to do that. But we, we went through it all. We lived that. And it taught us a different perspective and compassion. And that's what novels did. I thought that VR would be, do that. Like we could experience, you know, like what it's like to live in a village in Africa or, you know, or, or, or be in a, a worker's factory in China. Different perspectives. But I don't know if that's where we're going. <laughs> yeah, know? might be hard it to might, move units on that one. <laughs> it might be a little bit optimistic, you know, like <laughs> I always thought it'd be a great device for teaching, uh, uh, the concept of the good man with the gun is futile. Um, like I've, always, I tried I actually pitched this as a video game to a company here in town. They seemed excited about the philosophical component of it, but, did, but I still think it could be done is, uh, is showing a uh, virtual reality of being in a mass shooting. Um, oh, being fuck. in a mall where somebody starts shooting and you don't, and you need to hide and you need yeah. to protect yourself and you don't realize, horrifying. and this is the neat thing about that, the way I was going to pitch is you don't realize who you are because you only see other people, but you, after a while, realize he's targeting people that look like you and you realize like you're black or you're, or you're gay or you're, mm-hmm. or you're transgender. You're, you're a minority of some sort, but you don't know it until you see that this is after you and then you're offered the ability of a gun and you realize that a gun doesn't protect you or other people because much like people experienced in Vegas, you know, they, there's an interesting story. So I pull out a gun. How does the police know I'm not part of the problem? Right. You know, you're a civilian with a gun. A good man with a gun can't save somebody when they're shooting from a, you know, 40 stories up with a high powered rifle, you're yep. doing nothing. You know, yep. this, this idea that, you know, it, it, it it's bigger than that. It's a, it's a, you know, but I thought that would be a neat, storyline in a way to teach people that are adamant gun owners that you know you're kind of powerless in these situations where you're yeah you think you could protect
0: yourself but again when the cops show up how do they know you're not one of the shooters they just see you
1: shooting another human being as well how to yeah yeah and i and i get i totally the thing is is i have immense empathy for gun owners because i get it i've fired guns i've shot guns they're fun there's no question they're not fun that's a that's a lunacy of the left to go guns aren't fun guns are very fun Mm -hmm. they're not right <laughs> they shouldn't yeah. be accessible but they're fun um and it sounds like how could killing something? shooting targets is fun i, I would never want to kill anything here's a i'm sure there's a <laughs> sense
0: of power i've never held one i i kind of don't really have any interest in it well of course yeah but uh, yeah, I only because i'm i'm like i would just be terrified of of accident like i said making mistakes I'm be, terrified, terrified, of making terrified mistake. of when
1: i start crying alone by myself yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, like having that quick and out you know like yeah. no i don't want a gun for that yeah um there's a lot of reasons why i I would never want to own a gun you know and and they're all part of my rational brain um but if i let my emotional take over then of course uh, but that's the that's the duality with everything in our life you know like we, we, we're all, and, and the other thing is we're always told to move with our hearts. Or oh, you you, know, you got to kind of pull away from that and be with, you know, as, as much as your heart is nice and it teaches you something about empathy, there is also. Bad idea, stats, science. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely 100%. They got to use them both. Nothing's easy. That's the other, that's the thing I was trying to, and this is sort of my obsession right now is that we're all looking for simple answers for everything because simplicity allows everybody at the table to have an opinion because simplicity, uh, even the dumb people can wrap their heads around simplicity. (laughs) And that's Mm -hmm. why there's so many of these tropes and ideas and, and simple, just do this, just do that. But the fact is the world's not simple. The world's insanely complex and absolutely everything is different. We can only make we can only improve things by variables. They'll never be completes. And that's the other illusion. It's like, oh, if we just do this, this problem will be solved. No, no. Uh, you can either slightly make things better or slightly make things worse. <laughs> yeah. You'll never solve every problem.
0: Well, it's like the diet pill, right? <laughs> Just take a pill and you lose your weight. Yeah. And it's, it's, everybody wants that quick fix with these arguments. And it's like, yeah, well, as much as you don't want to eat right and go to the gym and do the exercise and do the work to get the results, nobody wants to sit down, listen, have the conversations, look at other people's <laughs> perspectives. That's, but that's the work yeah. of getting the end result. We all want this, but like you said, it's all, all this expectation is going to be simple it's well, not, you yeah, got to put in the
1: work. We, we should all be lowering our expectations so much mm-hmm. uh, with, with each other. You know, the world would be a lot better place if we did, we just lowered our expectations, not to the point where we thought everybody was awful. Cause this is the other amazing thing that we don't, I mean, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the negative and stuff like that. But then again, then you look at statistics again and uh, you go, oh shit, we're living the greatest time ever for the fact that we have the least chance of ever being killed in this modern day and age, least chance of ever being robbed, which is quite, well, uh, physically robbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. not, not, not exploited. Um, and this is a tough when people don't believe with the lowest chance of ever being raped or sexually assaulted. Yeah. Uh, child abuse is at its lowest it's ever been. Violence, uh, all levels of violence are at their lowest in the history of the world. In the history of the world. But we all think that we're living in incredibly dangerous times. You look at parents right now. Parents are like, oh, my kid's going to be abducted. Your child's never been safer. And I used to walk alone to school. Mm-hmm. I, uh, fuck, I was six. My parents, I was, a, now if you let your kid walk alone to school at six, they'll arrest the parents for uh, for child abuse or for, for not taking care of their like kid. Like negligence? Yeah, there, there's a case in the States where this woman let her kid walk home. I walked home every day when I was six. Like that was just every kid did yeah you know and i'm sure we were getting and from what i've learned in the news a lot of us were getting abused (laughs) um but now kids are way safer than ever been but parents act you know there's there's some there's a disconnect, and you got to wonder who's profiting off the fear that they're putting in us, and what that fear is creating in our children, and their outlook in the world. And I, is it becoming? Uh, I don't know. I, I just I, I I worry about a lot of things in that aspect because I think that we are great. Most of us are pretty good. Ten percent of us are fucking awful. Absolutely, maybe even more. Somebody tried to convince me it's twenty percent. I don't know if that's right, but about ten to twenty percent of every group, uh, white, black, women men, gay, transgender, every subsection, 20% of every group are, or 10 to 20. I say 10, they say 20 are awful (laughs) and the majority are good, but we, we focus on the awful to make generalizations about the rest Mm -hmm. and they wreck it for everyone.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah. It's like, I mean, it's all like all media stuff. They'll show you the example, the bad examples to get you to bind into think that's all that's happening.
1: But yeah, I mean, you talk to the majority of people in, in Israel the majority are great. Mm -hmm. You talk to the majority of the people in Palestine, they're great. Mm-hmm. Those two will never get along because of the 20% on each side. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: I actually use that, believe it or not, in regular, like day to day examples, because there's, it's interesting. A lot of things about marketing, cause there's a lot of psychology in marketing, but I've got a lot of experience with like marketing stuff and whatnot and, and sales and things like that. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they, they taught me right from the earliest thing on was that, uh, you know, you're 10 times more likely to talk about a bad experience than a good one. Right. So yeah. and that's the thing. So so as soon as something bad happens, you can go to, you can go to a, a restaurant that's great and, and people have a good time all the time, but then somebody has one bad experience. They're going to, they're going to call their friends or tell their friends not to go. They're going to write a blog about it where they're yeah. going to write a negative review in anywhere that you can. And the idea, so when I go out and I, I have a good experience, doesn't matter where I go, whether it's restaurant or store or whatever, yeah. I always will say, give me your card i'd love to send your manager an email and say you did a great job yeah. because they're only going to hear about the bad bad times they're never going to hear about the good so it's like you said you there's there's 90 great you know i would say even higher
1: number in certain situations but that's why you re- only get to hear about the bad but that's all that's why i reply to absolutely everybody that writes me um I, I and for a while there i was getting lots and lots of emails from around the world after my special first came out is I was thinking to myself, like what it would take, and when when you would write somebody about liking something. I thought about my own life, how seldom I sat down and go, you know what, this was just amazing. Thank you very much. Uh, but I know I've complained about stuff a yeah. lot and I was, so that made it a lot easier to discount the people that complain because <laughs> it's easy to complain. The people that reached out and wanted to share something or, 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 or with me a positive, I was like, fuck, that takes a lot of work to do that. Well, it's cause like yeah. you said, right
0: at the beginning was about, about uh, with, with love is to give, to give love without ever expecting anything back yeah. we complain because we want somebody back we want someone to make it right not maybe not necessarily but i'm saying like when no, you complain right. i complain yeah get, but get yeah. back to me and give me a free meal or or whatever it is you want something out of it whereas when you just when you're just giving a, a compliment or just
1: the majority here's of some my love. complaints are aimed at corporations mm-hmm. which i think have de- dehumanized us to the point where yeah yeah Sorry, my cat's acting up. <laughs> we're just watching the cat get up and oh, stress. That's his tea. No. She can have some. <laughs> no. She doesn't like rooibos. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Someday <laughs> I'll have a video podcast and everyone can enjoy these happenings that, that happen in my interviews. Uh,
1: but yeah, it, I, I forgot where we were. This little, little mind sweet. But you're saying uh, corporations and. Uh, yeah, I have a huge problem with the way that corporations put the onus of correction on the consumer in our modern day rather than uh, on themselves, which are the. the they, they factor in the fact that most of us won't fight back for things, and they take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. So they purposely are deceptive, or they purposely sort of – like, for example, grocery stores in Canada. Actually, everywhere around the world, this is actually a, a policy of theirs, is they're incredibly misleading specifically with prices by putting something that's uh, cheaper, that looks similar, next to something that's more expensive. Because they assume that the consumer, and they're right, will make a mistake at the checkout and not check it. And this happens everywhere. Um, I have huge problems with the multiple purchasing, um, three for this price, because that does a lot of damage to our environment. Um, and it's unfair to the consumer because you're you're pushing on a price point of us over consuming a product. Um, in order, And this is one of the reasons why we throw out 80% of the produce that we buy mm-hmm. is that most of our produce in a lot of cities is sold at multiple a uh, discount for a great deal where it shouldn't be. I mean, I, one thing about BC and I love this about British Columbia is that they have a law where you can't do that, but they still you can't act, do like a three for whatever. No, law? You, they have to offer you each individual unit. It's about the only good thing happening in BC at this moment, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> um, I do think it's the most corrupt province in the entire country. Mm. Uh, it's a shame. <laughs> it is a shame because it's a wonderful, wonderful place, but their government has been completely co-opted by dirty money That is destroyed the social fabric of of British Columbia to the point where it's destined for collapse or that poor people are going to be moved out because uh, the land prices have destroyed the natural function of an interactive society with with arts and culture and people and um, it, i think it's it's got something bad's got to happen before something good can happen to BC yeah. to survive and the corruptness of their government is just mind-boggling like just mind-boggling un, un you're allowed to donate directly to the uh, under provincial law directly to the candidates with no uh, bookkeeping. Okay. Put that on top of the real estate boom and the corporations that don't have to show who owns what. And on top of that foreign, it's the only place in North America where foreign governments and foreign bodies can donate to political campaigns. So imagine the type of behind the scenes deals that go on. In British oh, God. Columbia. Yeah. And you see it in the ludicrous way The taking $200 million out of the public school and giving it to private schools specifically. That's one that just absolutely floors me. You know, you're, you're giving money to private rich kids schools from the general like just stuff like that happens regularly in british columbia and uh the people haven't woken up to it yet because they're kind of all profiting to a certain degree off the land bubble but if that ever goes the opposite direction there'll be a reckoning oh yeah <laughs> there'll be a real no, reckoning no i'm just uh, yeah. yeah that's horrible vancouver right now is the most expensive place to live in canadian history for the cost of living in the history of Canada. Since ever uh, it was it was factored Canada, to live in Vancouver right now, your rent takes 82% of the average income, 82%. That doesn't factor in the fact that groceries and everything is beyond the price because the rent pushes the grocery prices up yep. too. Rent pushes everything up, right? You know, the only thing you're getting right now is air and there's a time when that's gonna be pushed up too. Very <laughs> fascinating place to, to a microcosm of unfairness. But you know, especially for people that are notoriously liberal, that's what fascinates me about yeah. BC too. This place where we've all oh pot smoking hippies from BC yeah. are the most brutally corporate. <laughs> and, and
0: Oh, they're doing a and, great job of making themselves look like, hey man, let's hang tot- out and have a good time. We're all buddies, right? Oh, yeah. This is so free over they, here.
1: They bought in hook, line, and sinker into the whole sort of the the capitalistic agenda there because once they got a taste of it, they all their values went out the window. It's mass corruptibility. It's quite fascinating. Nonetheless, um, I went off topic again, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, right. I, I I honestly, I was listening, <laughs> but I spent the last 30 seconds trying to go, what were we talking about? I'm sorry. We're not even smoking pot. That's just no, crazy. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I digress too much, and I also value my own opinion too much. I shouldn't be talking <laughs> like this. You do the same thing I do, is is you talk about something you're passionate <laughs> about. You go in
0: a bunch of different directions. I always forget to go back and finish what I started talking about, and I'm sure the listeners are all like, what was... It? I may, you know, what? some of them care, some of them don't, and then they give a shit for apologizing too much. Just we're listening, all right? We're enjoying it. Stop apologizing. Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah, I you don't mean, have to apologize because if they didn't give a shit what we were talking about, they would have stopped listening, and they're not here for the apology anyways. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, and, and this here's my my favorite thing. I go, I "Take my advice." I'm not using it because I'm like, hey, it makes that much sense. But I'm still not comfortable. I still apologize. I hope every I'm not episode. giving
1: advice. I'm just sort of my own person. No, I mean
0: me. me I'm giving you the advice to not worry. Don't worry about it. Don't apologize. I don't take it. I still constantly worry. I love that saying though. Take my advice. I'm not using
1: it. That is a good. I, just, I always was told, uh, never give advice. Cause a wise man doesn't need it. And a fool will never listen. I was mm-hmm. always one that I always like, yeah, uh, I, there's all sorts of little sayings that pop in, but there's always exceptions to all those rules. So I, yeah, it's hard to, you don't want to get caught up in those things. I guess. I don't know. I don't know anything. That's the, that's the problem. I, I, I think I know some stuff and then always somebody smarter comes along and, and will tell me something. I'm like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way.
0: I like that. And I think that's my position for a lot of things too. I was actually talking to a counselor, um, Uh, it was a, it was a relationship counselor. And, uh, and she asked me like, at what point do I, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly what she had said, but she was like, at what point do you basically decide that this is how you feel about something? And I was like, never, I go, I never, I never go now. I'm now this is the concrete thing. I go, my ideas and opinions are always evolving. Yeah. At any point, somebody can enter in a new piece of information that's going to make me reevaluate everything. Not, I'm not to say that I flip-flop constantly, but the idea is that I never put up you know it's like a joke. We never just go, "Now it's done forever." There's no, right? always room always for it tinker. to grow. That's actually a great yeah, point. Yeah, and that's that's
1: how I feel but about my opinions. Always... I think that's only comics will relate to that. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe you could relate it, I don't know, what are other people? A golf swing maybe? You're always tinkering with your golf swing, right? You don't you always yeah. try to make it better. I don't know, I don't golf. But even but anything that you're passionate about, you should always try
0: to make better. Why would you ever just go now it's as good as it'll ever be, and let's just never work on it again. And I feel like that's that's why I'm I'm open. I, I say the same thing that you do. I go, I don't know anything. I don't know it all because I feel like I'm always still learning it. Every piece of information I'm trying to get is always open to improvement and whatnot. So I'm never ready to grab something and just throw it in the shelf and go, I know this. I go, I think right now I understand X amount of this much. And it's yeah. always just... It's always just coming out of boxes and
1: slightly, just being slightly better. That's, that's, that's the goal. I, I do know, I know some stuff uh, though, but not nothing, but there's nothing like in steel, you know, like you're always, I mean, I I wouldn't be open-minded to anybody trying to tell me why, uh, and this is here a flaw. Somebody tries to tell me why drink, why I drink coffee uh, is bad. I know that there's probably good arguments for how much coffee I drink is bad, but I will be honest with you. I'm not open-minded about it. I, I don't want to hear it it's uh, I've, uh, i I've done a lot to be a good person in a lot of ways I'm not ready to give up coffee and until is that I'm, why you're not open to it because they not, might convince you to exactly, not do it exactly they okay might, they might have a good, eye. but here's, a, it's an example of where I am a bad person. Just like everybody, like, uh, like I'm not like open-minded about everything. I, I, I hear myself shutting, shutting down the doors when somebody has got a great argument about why Starbucks is a piece of shit. And I'm like, I fucking love Starbucks. I fucking love Starbucks. You know, what? you know they're a large corporation. Oh like yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, oh, it's against a lot of things. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll do that thing that I see Republicans do when they talk about things that they're passionate about that I disagree with. They'll cherry pick certain things. Like somebody will Oh, they're horrible. And I go, yeah, but Starbucks was the first one to give uh a, a, a spouse, same sex spouses benefits fully on their thing. That's pretty impressive. I'm like, yeah, but Starbucks is, yeah, but they're the first ones to offer medical to, to their part-time workers in the United States. And I'll try, And they, they've done some good things. They've done yeah. some really good things, yeah. but fuck. Yeah, sure. They bought palm oil from Indonesia that decimated the entire habitat of orangutans in Borneo. I know that too, but I, I choose <laughs> not to think about it. We're all lawyers. Because I fucking coffee. <laughs> so good, <laughs> and I love it. I love their fucking coffee, and I. But I know that so we all have parts of us that we still support the bet. and I just. Uh, I mean, if I came face to face with a teary-eyed orangutan holding its dead orangutan baby. And said uh, and said, uh, put down your coffee and save my baby orangutan's life. Yeah, okay. I would have I would have a hard time having my coffee, but please don't let that happen. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, now you guys who want him to hear like, your <laughs> list, now you know what you have to do. It's like it's like it was the old Saint was it Saint Thomas Aquinas? Oh oh Lord give me the, the patience to be a saint, but not now.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: know, it's like i want to be a saint but not right not now, now. Tom- tomorrow <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to enjoy the shit now <laughs> but yeah no eventually but, and i we i think that's that's one of the the, the common aspects of humanity that we kind of forget while well, we're all trying to be these super uber humans you know in this new age of everybody's good and uh, the, the sort of millennial sort of utopian ideal for existence is like we're forgetting that we're all flawed we're all flawed yeah you know yeah. well we're yeah and, and that's another pod
0: thing about social media is that it's going don't show us your flaws in fact we've got all these things that will help remove them like filters and things yeah. like that we're going to just put the best of you and that's the thing and now everyone in terms of that whole well, this is what you have to live up to because before it was just celebrities just the models on the cover of the magazines and the celebrities in the movies now you have everybody in your life that you're trying to measure up against as well as
1: i'd like i think we should all have a picture of our butthole somewhere <laughs> somewhere uh, everywhere you I, don't i i, <laughs> I do I, yeah. well that's the thing i find it funny when the, the guys were uh sending all their unsolicited dick pics to women and stuff like that because i never i didn't see what that would do uh i can't see that eliciting a positive response from anybody an unsolicited dick however you can send an unsolicited asshole pic to people, and they're delighted. Because <laughs> it's such a ridiculous thing to receive. <laughs> like just, what the fuck? This yeah. is, that's, what is yeah, it's that? That's a baloney knot. What, there's something wrong. Because ha- nobody's thinking this is going to turn anybody on. Nobody's that ludicrous. <laughs> Like it's true just, it's just a humbling part of that we all have <laughs> that should
0: be the thing as soon as whenever whenever that that argument on facebook goes too long butthole picture just
1: yeah every, just, just put your bot, look at this this is this can never look attractive it's like rebooting There's, the computer at no, oh, okay, at no point zero. could anybody look at this and think highly of me after seeing this horrible <laughs> horrible part of my body <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome I uh, I think
0: dude we're at, a, we're at an hour 52 and I, I've loved every minute and okay. I could go on forever I enjoy I always I, enjoy our I chats I have to pee so badly oh do you okay so then why don't I take this opportunity to thank you my good friend for oh, uh, for taking the time yeah and we'll do it next time I'm in town if you're in town again yeah, we'll yeah, do it again absolutely, but absolutely. I, I always love talking with you Um, do you have anywhere where people can go like uh, right now you have the special on Netflix the name of the special again Pete Johansson you may also enjoy no. Pete Johansson
1: yeah you may also enjoy Pete Johansson yes
0: I got it right this time
1: yeah. I don't think there's a Pete Johansson first though I think it's called Zoom. oh isn't it uh, it looks like it says Pete Johansson Johansson you may also enjoy the title of it is you may also enjoy you might also enjoy Pete Johansson because it's based off the old Netflix suggestion thing after you'd see something you go oh you watch this you might also enjoy I got a fucking airplane it's all right don't worry about it and um that and nobody nobody wanted me to do that as a title by the way just so you know fuck them I know, I know. Everything (laughs) I've ever kind of enjoyed that I've made a decision of, I've been people have tried to talk me out of career-wise, which I find quite funny because that title, nobody's gonna like that title. I fucking love that title. I've never regretted it once. My next, uh, I'll tape another special this February, and I'm I'm, right now. I'm thinking the title is gonna be uh, "Okay, Google, show me more Pete Johansson." She's doing it now. Uh, Yeah, watch it'll react to that. Yeah, can't help. The little Google Mini is lighting up. Yeah. It wrong. Try again in a few seconds. and that's exactly yeah. what my agent said when i suggested it too <laughs> sorry try again in a few minutes <laughs> yeah uh, but i think that's what i'm gonna name it because i think it's ridiculous
0: yeah it's like well you what this is what it reminds me is of the andy kaufman thing with the 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 the, the lines in the tv and it's like everyone's gonna get up and oh. bang on their tvs and think that there's something oh, that's wrong funny.
1: you know what my favorite thing about andy kaufman i i didn't I, 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 Andy Kaufman had to happen because he is, uh, the, the idea of what we do had to have been deconstructed and made fun of somebody had to do what he did. Um, so I, I, I don't, uh, and nobody committed to it harder. Um, I, but I'm not an absolute fawning glory of him. Right. Um, but one of the things he did that I loved was that he still kept working as a busboy after he was on TV. Cause I love that. that yeah. That's my favorite thing ever. That's, that's kind of why I want to go back to school and go back in the workplace right now while my career is kind of doing really well. And, uh, that's why I want to sort of like maybe sort of step out of stand up for a bit and do other things is cause why wait till it's gone bad <laughs> <laughs> Wait now. And I've done good. I'm going to go. Well, it's go like that's school. that
0: Steve Martin thing, right? Where he said he looked at the back of the room and saw an empty table. And yeah. that's when he was like, time to time to get out. Not, I want to be there for it when it's all the way at the bottom.
1: Oh uh, Yeah yeah I, well not even that it's just like it's also while i still have like people going why are you in class <laughs> like, yeah you know, like, but you're a smart guy i mean
0: i i told, as soon as you told me what you want to do i understood yeah. it i understood it but i mean
1: i'm not i don't know if i'm smart i, I that's such a weird illusion people have okay you're open I, I talk with confidence and i think that's what we call smart it's weird because I've met smart people and generally really smart people don't talk a lot. And I talk too much to be smart. The, the smartest people I know uh, don't communicate fantastically. They're just brilliant. And that's actually one of the weird things about who we classically think is intelligent because mm-hmm. who we classically think about who is intelligent throughout history are the ones that communicated their complex ideas. There's been smarter people, but we don't know their names. I don't know about that
0: because the way I look at as is you're saying that I've never put it together before, but you're absolutely seemingly is like that. The people who are very, very smart are very quiet. But I, I, I think that it goes back to that whole knowledge is power thing. And there's some people who are inclined to, to keep power for themselves, and then there's some people who want to equalize everything, and you can only do that when you share the power with everybody. Well, so maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe there are smarter people who are quiet, but I think that all the, the people who are, who are really smart, you can be smart too. It's what you do with it. It's the application of that intelligence and knowledge. Well,
1: you look at things like uh, the mathematician for May, um, and the ideas that he possessed, he did not communicate well. He created uh, ideas and aspects uh, in mathematics that affect us to this day, and his his personal formula for which has never been well. We assume has never been solved in the way that he solved it, because he clearly solved it, but then didn't leave us the answer. He didn't communicate his his own uh, understanding of mathematics well enough for us to. To, and left us with a paradox that took 140 years before it was solved by a Japanese mathematician using a concept that wasn't invented at that time, which is uh, imaginary number systems in order to solve that system, which isn't what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, there are, has been brilliant people throughout history that just couldn't communicate. I mean, uh, the, the, the amazingness of Newton, I mean, Newton, you've got this guy that creates calculus. Now, the fact that he was able to communicate calculus is the fucking amazing thing. Yeah, (laughs) That he was able to teach somebody else calculus, that's the breakthrough right there. It's communication is another form of genius. I mean, I'm sure that relativity was thought of by a couple of scientists around the turn of the century, given the information that we all kind of possess, but Einstein communicated it. He was able to uh, get other people to understand what he said. There's a lot of uh, almost autistic Asperger's-like individuals, and I don't mean to generalize or simplify their indicative. No, but that's part of what you're trying to communicate right now. Yeah, but there's a lot of people with them, mathematical abilities that can solve and that can work on a complex level, but they can't communicate it to you or I yeah. how they're doing it, but they can do it. Um, and it's almost mystical in a way, but there's intelligence that we can't access because of communication yeah, it's, and it's brilliant locked behind something. Yeah, brilliant communicators are a different level and that's what comedy is. There's a lot of people that are very funny, but they can't communicate it to an audience. Yeah. <laughs> well, and isn't that our
0: job? We come up with a premise or an idea and we know why it's funny. Now, how do I make everybody else see why this is funny? Yeah,
1: We've all had jokes that we, we think are funny, but we can't get the, we can't communicate it to an audience the way we understand it. Yeah. And that's, that's the barriers, true communication. That's, it's a different form of brilliance. But, and I, I, and I've spoken absolutes earlier when I said that there's people that are, I've met people who are smart. I met some people that are smart mm. that are quiet because they don't know how to communicate, but they're. Absolutely, their brains work on a level that's faster, more in depth, more, and it's and it's stunning to be in the presence of that, and intimidating and humbling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key word. We not we're not humbled enough <laughs> around other people. Um, but that's why that's uh, the illusion of what we consider intelligence in the modern day is different because we uh, we associate it with the person that's communicating, and that's just one aspect of intelligence. It's not, yeah, yeah. The, I don't even know if I got that across. No,
0: I, I understood it. I, I just keep going like, fuck. I don't want the conversation to end. <laughs> really? It only has to because I have to go fucking tell dick jokes. Oh, I have to
1: pee so badly. <laughs> you have to be It
0: all die. comes back to the penis. Yeah. Pete, you were outstanding as always, buddy. And I, I, uh, is there anywhere where people should fall? I mean, we talked about getting away from social media. Is there anywhere people uh, I'm
1: trying to start a mailing list as my main sort of route? So my website, Johanson.com I have a thing where you can sign up to my mailing list. I have yet to send out a mailing list since last time it was 2015 so so don't worry about me uh filling your inbox with lots of spam cool so, but if they want to be a part of what yeah what you got going on I, yeah. that's and then I'm, I'm i'm gonna try and do my own podcast this year too so yeah, if you can join you... my mailing list or if you follow me on uh any social media thing i will announce when i start doing my podcast but it's probably just gonna be me talking for the first little bit that's fine it's well fine. let me let me know and i'll let them know Okay Cool yeah. buddy Alright sounds alright I
0: appreciate you being on the show Pete You were <laughs> I, I find you incredibly fascinating and funny Thank you I uh, love
1: spending time man You're so much less racist when you're on the air <laughs> <laughs> Thanks buddy all right.